Yo, what is up, everybody? It is time for the In Off the Bench podcast. I am Daniel Ball, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-hosts, my partners in crime, my brothers from other mothers, Jim Cross, Randy Jowers, and guys, tonight's episode 16 titled The Full Arsenal, because our guest tonight, if you can hear it, it's the Spice Girls. Our guest is from across the pond. Spice Girls are her jam. And we're going to get the whole story from LSU women's soccer star Shannon Cook. But before Shannon joins us, Jim, I got to go to you, man. You had the opportunity of watching Shannon this weekend play uh, and the LSU squad. How were they? How was it? Talk to me. Uh, you know, it's always entertaining to watch them. You know, we got four in off the bench guests now, including Shannon. Um, good quality SEC soccer. Unfortunately, Mississippi State came out on top. They remain undefeated. Um, they set an attendance record. Um, over 1,500 people there at the at the soccer game, which is big for Mississippi State. Um, they're not typically a soccer school. So good crowd, good environment, getting to see the girls, even in a loss. So me and Taylor enjoyed it. And, you know, quality bonding time with my daughter. Need it these days. You know, it's hard when they're 16. Yeah, can't beat it, man. And what you really can't beat is Shannon Cook being our guest. So, man, let's get right to it. Help me welcome on with the biggest interview in podcasting this week, LSU women's soccer star Shannon Cook. All right, Shannon, what up? How are we doing tonight? Doing good. How about yourself? We are blessed. We're glad that you carved out some time for us. We're happy to have you and be able to tell your story. You know, um, obviously, before we get into soccer and LSU and, and you know, you growing up, we got to talk, you and I. I'm a traveler. I've been to a lot of places. But from your Instagram, we did some digging. Paris, <laughs> Greece, Vegas. I mean, you're you're getting all over the place. What is the your most favorite place that you've traveled? Well, that's a good one. If it uh, ain't if it ain't Greece, I don't know you. You know what? It is going to be Greece, and not just because you said that. It can't be Vegas because I lost a lot of money there. <laughs> um, so I'm going to have to go with Greece. Where uh, where at in Greece did you go? And um, we went to Zakynthos. Oh, okay. So I love that about that one. It's it's nothing like Santorini. We went for a bit more low key rather than the bougie side. I gotcha. I I've done the party side in Mykonos and the bougie side in Santorini, and I think Santorini is probably the greatest place on earth. Yeah, I I definitely got that place on my bucket list. Maybe later hey. in life. Yeah, you gotta if you go, you gotta do that next time though. Deal. That's gonna be that's gonna be booked for sure. All right. Well, you know, I don't I got to go back to Vegas, though. Obviously, you said you lost too much money. You, mm -hmm. you, what's your go to game? What, what what are you losing money on? Come on now. Well, I love a bit of roulette and I'm used to roulette. That's like three dollars, five dollars a spin. So I was like, OK, yeah, it's not going to be any different in Vegas. So I slapped down 50 dollars on the table. I'm thinking yeah, it should last me about 30 minutes. That's normally the huge. Two spins later, I'm gone. I was like to the, the dealer, whatever you call them, what's going on? They were like, yeah, it's $25 a hand. I was like, wow, that is the quickest 50 bucks I've ever lost in my life. <laughs> well, 
now that we've talked about traveling and losing money, I've definitely lost some money, but I haven't traveled. I've never been outside of the United States, so I can't I can't relate to what your favorite thing is. I got to look all this stuff up that y'all just said. When when Daniel got married, he went on this crazy honeymoon, right, and posted all these pictures. I thought about blocking him, Shannon. I really did. I'm like, look at this guy, all cultured, showing us where he's been. You're jealous. Absolutely, right. absolutely jealous. Jealous. Yeah, take me with you. I mean, geez. I mean, y'all got y'all had been together for like well, 40 years. Well, Randy, you, you can't tell her to take you with you. You got to tell her that you have like 17 kids that you have to bring along too. No, I'm not bringing any kids. That's, <laughs> there's no. a catch. Yeah, no, there's no catch. That was my second <laughs> wife that got that catch, Shannon. You're safe. It's all good. I don't even like the kids anymore. But speaking of places I've never been, obviously we're doing a little bit of research going into the show. For those that don't know, obviously they can hear it. Where are you from? Um, so I'm obviously from England. I tell people London just because it's really broad and everyone knows London. But diving deep into that, I'm actually from a little town called Croxley Green. So it's just outside of London, but nobody's heard of Croxley Green. So normally I just tell people London. It just saves a lot of questions in conversation. <laughs> well, we're here for the questions and conversation. <laughs> so describe it for us. What's what's the when, when you tell people where you actually are from, what do you say? Mm-hmm. I tell them if if they know the area, I tell them Croxy Green. Um, it's not city, but it's also not completely country. It's quite, kind of like the suburbs. Like you can walk around the corner for a bottle of milk, whereas if you lived in the country, you'd have to drive thirty minutes to get to get to your closest shop. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of greenery, a lot of trees, a lot of fields. Obviously, grew up playing in the fields there, so I was lucky I didn't grow up in the in central where. There's a lot of cages and concrete. I was blessed I could actually play on a grass field, which was nice. Um, it's not too busy, but a lot of people know each other, so it's a nice little town. No, it sounds sounds lovely. So speaking of that nice little town, get into the, the family dynamics. I mean, we, we got, obviously, brothers and sisters, mom, dad. What was it like growing up? Yeah, so I grew up, obviously, with my mom and my dad, Mandy and Jim, and my older brother, Aaron. Um, my brother is a almost professional we're working on it at the moment um racing driver he is absolutely phenomenal at what he does he is three times British champion three times European champion two times Scottish champion international champion he's absolutely phenomenal um so actually as we speak we're on on the hunt to get him some sponsorship because he wants to look to go into the next formula um so growing up very very athletic in our household and always used to play out in the yard with my brother you know, when you said like almost professional, I thought you were going to say like he's won a few races and then you just his resume. That's incredible. And we're talking yeah, he, multi-time champion. <laughs> I'm not just a biased sister. He's got the accolades to prove it. So are you saying that like who's you a better athlete than your brother, though? Oh, when it comes to our feet, I would say for sure. But on hands on a steering wheel, I think he's got me in that one. <laughs> Now I gotta ask you because I mean I, I, we have a couple of Formula One races. I've worked a bunch of them. Is your brother is he as tall as you? You're five ten. For those that don't know, yes, yeah, he is actually. So funny story. Um, when we were younger, obviously you're predicted a specific height, um, and I was ironically predicted five foot six, and he was predicted six foot two, and we're both five foot ten. So I always tell him that I stole his four. <laughs> you took the four inches. Yeah, <laughs> we evened it out. I got you. So mom, dad, are they athletes as well? 
Um, no, mum's five foot three and a half and she often jokes and she says, like, I don't know how you came out of me because she's <laughs> honestly tiny. Like, she's so petite. And dad, he claims he's six foot, but I think he's shrunk a couple of inches as he's gotten older. I always tease him about that. Um, but no, my dad, he, he grew up being a motocross racer as well. So that's that's what kind of runs in the family. I understand. So at, at what age do you start playing soccer? Soccer, I started age nine. So it's a bit okay. of a late bloomer. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Usually, sometimes you hear before that. I mean, was it the only sport you played growing up? Was it the first sport you played growing up? No, I actually tried a lot of things because we obviously had sports day back at back at home once a year, and I just I literally lived for sports day, and we'd have sports week as well, and that was my favorite day and favorite week of the whole term and the whole year. And I was always winning sports day, and the parents used to say to my mum and dad, "You have to get her into something athletic." because it's going to be so wasted um so mum and dad they they said look Shan what do you want to do and I wasn't really sure so we got some leaflets from the school just giving us some ideas um I went to cross country and I was just lapping people and I was like this is so boring <laughs> so the next week mum and dad took me to tennis um and they were just playing these silly little games where you had to like try and hit cones and I was like this is so boring I want to rally people I want to actually play the game of tennis uh, so that didn't last very long. I did netball. I tried rugby. Um, and then I just started kind of playing football or soccer in the in the playground with the boys in the in the garden with my brother. And then when I was nine, like I say, a leaflet actually came out from the school saying that there was a local girls team starting up. Um, so I took the letter home in my book bag and I said to mum and dad, oh, I think this looks really fun. I want to give it a try. And they were like, yeah, absolutely. When does it start? So it started that Saturday. So they took me along. I didn't have a clue what I was doing. I didn't even have any cleats. I was wearing my older brother's cleats. And you can imagine these were huge because he was four years older than me. Um, but mum and dad didn't want to buy me a pair of cleats because they were like, oh, she's probably only going to last two weeks and then get bored and want to try something else. So they didn't want to buy me a hundred dollar pair of cleats for it to last a couple of weeks. So I go to this um, this training session and I had fun. So I went back the next week and it was fun. So three weeks in, we had a tournament, like a local tournament where all the teams came and we got absolutely annihilated. I think we lost like, every game 10-0, 9-0. We, we was trash, but I had a great time. And the next day, my mum, um, she got a phone call from a Watford scout. So that's a local team near me. I'm not sure if you're aware of the Premier League, the team Watford. Mm-hmm. So um, a Watford scout called my mum and said, oh, we saw your daughter at the tournament. We'd love her to come along and trial. My mum said, oh, is this some sort of joke? Like, is this a prank call? And they were like, no, no, we actually, we saw her. And mum thought it was funny because obviously we got annihilated in this tournament. And the guy said, no, we see something in her. We'd love her to come along. So I come home after school and mum was like, oh, I had a phone call today, Shan. And I was like, oh, what was that about? And she said, yeah, you've been invited to a trial to Watford. And I was like, what for like the football team, Watford? And she was like, yeah. She goes, do you want to go? And I was like, yeah, I might as well. It's another opportunity to play football. I might as well go along. So mum and dad took me and it literally was like a fate going on. There was hundreds and hundreds of girls. And we said, are we at the right place? Because at that at that point, it was 2009, we wasn't even aware of that girls really played football because I was so new to the scene. Um, so we were like really confused. Anyway, I, I carried on playing. Um, I was in the in the trial and I remember this like it was yesterday. We all got a number stuck to our chest just so they could identify who we were. And in the middle of this drill, I went running up to my mum and dad crying. And they were like, what's the matter? And I said, oh, my number keeps falling off. They're not going to know who I am. 
And they were like, fine, just try and stick it back on. They know who you are, don't worry about it. So I carried on, got a phone call the next the next time to come back to the next trial. And we're like, wow, no way, I actually got through the next one. So at this point, it's trial two or three. Um, and you obviously keep getting called back to the next one. So I go to the next one and there's less girls. Um, and I was having a conversation. Bearing in mind, I'm nine at this point with some of the other girls. And they were like, oh, how long have you been playing? We've been playing for three years. Yeah, three weeks. Yeah, and I was like, oh, three weeks. And they literally looked at me and was like, oh, good luck. We've been here every year and still not got in. I was like, well, this is brilliant. Like, I'm never going to get in now if I've been playing for three weeks. I'm still wearing my brother's cleats. I'm just looking like an amateur. So anyway, I just play, have a bit of fun at the trial, and I get called back to the final. I was like, wow. And mum and dad were like, this is amazing, because in the car on the way home, I was like, I'm not getting called back. These girls have been here for years. I've literally been playing for three weeks. Mum and dad were like, you don't know that. You tried your best. You did really well. Just you've got to be think positive. Got to call back, go back to the final. And I mean, they must have saw something in me because I got a call about a week later and and mum actually came into school to tell me. And we just both burst into tears because we couldn't believe I'd actually done it because I was so so new to the game. And I mean, that's where everything started. I finally got my new pair of cleats that were my own. Didn't have finally earned some. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, that's where my story began with soccer. Randy, let me ask you something. You know, you know, you coach sports. Daniel, you coach sports. Uh, I don't know if y'all remember. Uh, Shannon, my daughter, that's actually how she ended up getting picked up by her club team. They were getting beat 16 to 1, absolutely drubbed. And uh, the coach came and approached her afterward because uh, he said it was 16 to 1, but you would have thought it was 1 to 1 because she was the hardest playing player on the field. And he said, I can't teach that. Gave her a tryout. She made the team. And so both you guys know um, it's – Something about you can see more about a player when they're losing than you can if they're winning. And no, so they, they probably saw that with you, Shannon. They probably said 10 nothing, and this girl's still just out there giving everything she's got. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. So that's a that's a quick start there, Shannon. So you're you're nine, you play, you're getting beat 10 nothing in your first tournament, and all of a sudden now you're making a, a club team. So obviously you played for them for a while. When you so what what high school did you attend when you got there? Yeah, I went to Rickmansworth School. So when I was nine, I don't know, the schools kind of are different back home. Um, I would have still been in what you guys call elementary school until I was 12. I'm not sure if the ages are the same. Yeah, similar. And then when I was in, um, so when I went into high school, I was actually in a different club. Okay. So, I mean, how long, I got to, I'm going to go back for just a second. So you make the club team. And when you start playing on that team, how long did it take you to feel like you belonged or did you feel like that from the beginning? Oh, that's a great question. Um, honest answer, I can't really remember exactly how I was feeling at that time because obviously it was yeah. 13 years ago. Um, I remember little instances here and there, um, little things that would happen and and things like that. But no, I definitely felt welcomed on the team. I can't remember a time where I ever would go home and, and not want to play football anymore. I mean, I loved every single second of it. Um, so, yeah, I think I probably did just jump and fit right in. And being nine years old, it's probably quite easy to make friends. Yeah, no doubt. Those mean no ones at the trials. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no doubt. So uh, you, you're going to Rickmansworth, talking a little bit about that. Uh, just kind of looking at it. Talk to me about the academic standards at that school. Yeah, they were good. Um, I think it's a very different level of education back home in England compared to out here in the States. Um, so the first couple of years back home for the first four years, you just do all these subjects. 
And then the last year you take all these exams on those subjects. And then for the last two years after that, you get to specialize in three. Um, and I went to a good school. It wasn't a private school or anything, but private schools aren't very common back home. I know they are quite common out here in the States, but it was a public school. And yeah, I had a great experience. I definitely wouldn't change my time there. Yeah, so no doubt. So back, obviously, you know, here, uh, high school soccer is a big thing. Is, is club soccer is too. Obviously, we're calling it football. It's not as big here as it is overseas, maybe. But uh, is in England, is high school soccer a thing or is it club soccer over there? Yeah, no, high school is not a thing at all. That's, the, again, a huge reason I decided to come out here, just because the opportunity in sports on anything other than, like, the club level and the professional level back home just don't don't really exist. Like, um, I know some of the girls here, they played for high school and they were national champions, which is amazing. Um, but, no, back home, I was one of the few girls that even played a sport. There was a couple of us that played football, but... It was just more for a bit of fun. Like we would win 10 nil in, in the high school games just because the other teams had nobody that would play. So the high school was more so just to get the girls running around and enjoying PE as a sense rather than a commitment like it is out here for high school. So obviously club is where it's at. And, you know, you are part of the Arsenal U20, the England U18 squads. You had 18 career caps for England uh, for their junior team. I got to ask. and they picked me to go through this part of the the interview with you because i'm not really like well versed in soccer so <laughs> you're going to educate me on a lot of things as you and i talk through this next you know segment what is a cap we got to start there so a cap is it's not a physical cap it's every time you represent your country so i've actually got 24 so i've played 24 times for the youth team um, and then each time if you go to a tournament, you might actually get an actual cap, which is kind of an old fashioned. It doesn't look like a bucket hat. It's more of like um, like a flat cap and it's velvet material and it's engraved with the different games that you would play on it. So I've got a couple of them back home from tournaments in cabinets back home in boxes. It's more of like a trophy trophy than something you'd wear. So when you came here and people were saying cap and no cap, was was that uh, throwing you off a little bit? Yeah, I was like, do you want me to whip my England cap out? What are you talking about? <laughs> no, so you, you helped England take the top spot in their elite round group qualifying uh, stage to advance to the 2017 UEFA Women's U17 Championship. That was in the Czech Republic. So you're getting to travel not just in England, but you're you're going all over the place with this. Um, you know, what is that experience like? Are you with your family? Are they doing this with you? Or are you like rolling solo, just learning, becoming an adult, like, you know, every day? You've done a lot of research. I'm impressed. <laughs> you know more bit. about my than I do. <laughs> No, so my mum and dad actually, they're obviously allowed to travel and watch because when we would when we would play for the national team, we'd go around Europe um, as in a sense. And mum and dad were one of the few parents who would, they never missed a game. I'm so lucky to have the parents that I do. They're so supportive. They would literally fly, even if it was for a day and a night, just to make sure that they didn't miss me play. But in terms of national camp, they weren't allowed in into the national camp. There might be an hour here and there throughout a week's camp that we could pop and see them but we couldn't 
just go and freely hang out with them and do what you want. It was a very professional, strict environment where if you was on national camp, you were with the team 99% of the time. Gotcha. So pretty serious, pretty regimented, but you played four seasons with the Arsenal U20 club and you led them to the FA Cup title in 2016. Um, you know, seems like, you know, you're playing really young at some of the big stages. How much did you learn from each of these stages and how much confidence did it give you when you ultimately moved out of that? Were you super confident or were you still fearful that, you know, do I have what it takes to compete? Yeah, I think each experience that I've been through, regardless of the level that is at, I think each experience, you can take little bits of confidence from that um, and just knowledge knowledge about the game and different experience on how to act in different situations because ultimately when you step on the field you don't know what you're going to face until until you face it but I think just these experiences I've had and been lucky enough to have growing up playing in front of big crowds playing for huge titles and having a lot on the line it's yeah it's definitely fueled me with a lot of confidence and then when I came out to the States just knowing I am capable of doing this because of the things that I've faced prior to coming out here. So it's, it's safe to say we know why LSU reached out to you, but when did they start reaching out to you? Yeah, they reached out to me in December 2017, and then I was out here in the July 2018. And, and so what was the big reason why you were like, all right, yeah, that's where I want to go? Obviously, to me, it seems like with the resume that you're bringing – you could have played at a lot of places. So why LSU? I wasn't actually looking to come out to America. So the stage of my life that I was in at that time, I was 18 years old, well, 17 actually, when I was when I was contacted, but 18 when I came out here. Um, and I was playing for Arsenal at the time, the under-20s, and I was breaking through into the first team. So I was training with the first team full-time, missing school because of that and just being a full-time training player with the first team and I'd also travel with them as well and I'd be lucky to get five minutes at the end of the game here and there because obviously I was 17 and just so happy to be there Um, they weren't going to look to put me in as a centre-back when they've got these phenomenal internationals that they're paying thousands to be there Um, and then obviously I had a chat with the coach at, back at Arsenal and I said look I've been given this amazing opportunity what what do you recommend and it was actually Joe Montemaro at the time who was the manager. And I owe him a lot for his honesty because he said to me, Shan, this is such an amazing opportunity. I can't promise you game time here because you're so young. We've got some internationals coming in. It wouldn't be fair for me to promise you game time. Like I'm not saying you wouldn't get any, but I can't promise that you will because obviously things change. People come, go, injuries, of course. And he said, I think you should do it. This is amazing. This club's always going to be here, but this opportunity to go out to the States isn't. And I'm so glad he didn't just keep me around as a training player just for his benefit. He he really wanted the best for me and he wanted me to come out here and do this and achieve this. Um, so I'm really grateful for his honesty. And then when I did come out here and I saw the facilities, I was like, wow, this place is, this is something else and it's definitely not something I could do in England. So obviously you you hop on a plane, you you fly across the pond, you, you're headed into Baton Rouge, which... <laughs> I mean, we can all we can all attest to this. Like that's totally different as far as on the spectrum of of what to ex- expect. Um, what is the culture shock like leaving England and going 
to Baton Rouge and what is the biggest difference that you see between home and Baton Rouge? I think the first obvious one would obviously be the heat. The humidity <laughs> out here is absolutely insane. Um, my first week here, I'm a fit player, like I can run and run and run, but my first week of training, I really struggled because I just felt like I was breathing through a snorkel. I was like, what is this? I said to Megan Johnson, she's obviously from Baton Rouge, and I said to her, is this normal or does it get cooler? And she said, no, Shan, this is normal. And I said, how do you how do you deal with this? How do you get used to this? And she said, you don't get used to it. You just teach yourself to deal with it. And she couldn't have been more right because I still step outside and I'm sweating. But I'm just, that's what I expect now. And I'm just used to that. And then in terms of culture, I think Southern hospitality is definitely is definitely a real thing. I'll, I'll go to Walmart and make a friend and then invite me over for dinner. <laughs> Whereas back home in England, that would be so strange and you would be considered a weirdo if you was to invite someone to dinner who you'd never met. But out here, that's just so normal. And How long did it take you to get used to that, though? Did you look at them like they were weirdos? <laughs> I'm not sure. Maybe I still do. <laughs> <laughs> I can't say I've ever taken anyone up on that opportunity. <laughs> just so we're clear. Sometimes those people are still weirdos, even in the South. Yeah. Just stay clear of them just in case. Just in case. So obviously, you know, you you get over there, you get over this culture shock, you know, pretty quickly. You have an immediate impact your freshman year. You're a part of, you know, a stud defensive back line. Um, you know, you made a run in the S at the SEC title, made a run in the NCAA tournament. You had huge goals against Tennessee and Arkansas. Did you personally expect to have this much success coming in as a freshman, um, especially being named in the All-SEC Tournament as a freshman? No, I definitely wouldn't have said that I expected that. Um, I don't think I necessarily came into this with expectations of myself. I more so just came into this with the mindset of work hard, get better every day. And I'm a big believer that you, you really get out of things what you put in. And I really grinded and worked hard to, to earn my spot as a freshman because obviously I know that's not, not something that's given away easily, coming here, um, being foreign and just starting and being a freshman and being so young. Um, but, yeah, I didn't, didn't put too much pressure on myself. I just worked hard every day and, and just reaped the benefits, luckily. So, you know, as far as, you know, you know, that's personal, but as far as, you know, the team success, you win the SEC tournament. You make it to the second round of the NCAA tournament. Um, you know, what is it like to be a part of, you know, in your first year making a big impact? What is it like being a part of a team where you're like, man, the foundation of this team is, is great. And like the sky is really the limit for what we can accomplish here. Yeah, it was amazing. It was it was definitely motivating to know that if we've done this, we can keep pushing and going further. And I think the having that away from home almost having a family away from home is definitely something that made me enjoy this experience 10 times more than I would have if we was just a group of individuals all on completely different paths and had completely different goals so yeah I think us being such a well-bonded team is obviously what led to our success but also something that just made us enjoy what we was doing each and every day you know obviously you know you after that first year you you know, we talk about having a foundation and the success is there and the sky's the limit. But obviously you go into the next season and, and you guys kind of take a step backwards. 
what changed? What was different about that second season where, you know, you weren't able to generate and keep the momentum going from the first year? I think a huge thing that made us so successful in the first year was just the belief that we had in not only each other and the coaches, but also ourselves. And obviously losing Brian Lee as the head coach was a huge loss for the programme because he'd been here for so long. Um, and then we got an interim coach and everything was a little bit up in the air because people didn't know if they were coming or going. We didn't know if this was permanent or just temporary. And I think it might have affected a lot of mindset within the team. And I think mindset is obviously such a huge thing, especially in a team, because if there's a handful of people who who maybe don't believe or are kind of over what's going on right now, it affects all 32, not just those handful that maybe feel a bit lost or a bit confused in what's going on in the moment. Yeah, so no doubt you talk about the coach leaving and then you have the interim, but Coach Hudson comes in and gets hired after that in the 2019 season. And just, you know, with her resume, how excited were y'all for her to be coming in? Yeah, extremely excited. And personally, I was very excited because obviously she was she was from near where I was from, so in the United Kingdom. But I think as a team, once we read her resume, we was like, wow, she's going to do great things for the program. And again, like I said, straight away, just looking at her resume, it instilled that belief and that mindset, again, that we can do this. And she came in and she obviously brought in her coaching staff and and had Seb as well, who was also British, which was lovely for us, us foreigners, having a bit of home away from home. And they're just still in the European style of play. And she made it very clear from the get-go, her values, what she wanted, what the goals for this programme were. And she's stuck to each and every one of them. And I think the programme, since she's she's got here, her and Seb and the rest of the staff, I think it's just continued to go on an upward path. And I think this season as well, we're really going to see that. Yeah, and y'all had some obstacles out the gate with uh, with Coach Hudson and the fact that y'all had to deal with COVID, you know, um, a lot of cancellations, um, you know, and so it's it's hard when you're starting to, uh, you know, build this chemistry and then you have all those different things. You have, uh, you know, the season change on you. But ultimately, you know, after a lot of close losses, because um, we went to a lot of y'all's games, we watched a lot of your games, um, you know, y'all put together some big wins in the SEC tournament, um, you know, beating Alabama, beating Ole Miss, losing a close one to Texas A&M. So clearly, you know, y'all just had to be able to get that time to build that chemistry under Coach Hudson. And obviously COVID kind of, you know, put that uh, on the back burner a little bit. But once y'all got going and started getting it together, just how good did that feel? Yeah, it felt great. Um, obviously, we worked really hard to be where we was at and the results didn't necessarily show that in the early stages of when Sean got here. But we never let that defeat us. And Seb always says, you never lose, you just learn. And I think that's a huge quote because we learned so much from each and every game from not only mentality standpoint, but technical, tactical, physical, we needed we needed to know what we needed to do to be where we needed to be at. And those losses definitely, definitely kicked us at the butt in needing to know what, what we needed to do to be successful. And then Sean basically said to us when we got to the SEC, this is the final exam. And she, she couldn't have been more right. So everything we did in the lead up was the learning, the practice tests, and this was the final exam, and it's a shame we obviously fell short to A&M, but I think that tournament that year is when this team started to get into its stride. And then obviously we had a great spring going off of that, and I think 
the SEC that year that you're speaking about is when that all started to kickstart and it all started to fall into place. Yeah, absolutely. Because then the next season, y'all just come out on fire. Um, you know, I can't remember how many wins y'all put together in a row. Um, and, you know, get all the way ranked up to number five. But, you know, I want to talk about, um, you know, that back line, you know, like I said, went to numerous games, watched a lot of games on the SEC network. Um, you and Maya Gordon just anchoring, anchoring in the center. Um, and, you know, it's funny, you used physicality and talked about being tactical. Um, you know, let me ask you a question, Shannon. And I watched it again a little bit last night in Mississippi State. Do you like inflicting pain? Be honest with me. <laughs> There's a right answer to that question. <laughs> I think by the laugh, cold? we're going to go with yes. Because <laughs> no, my, I do not like causing pain. Because my, my host, Daniel, doesn't believe that you're playing soccer unless you get yellow cards. And you would absolutely be one of his favorite players because I have seen you get yellow cards and I've seen you take out, girl. So I think you do enjoy it. Sometimes I think it's necessary. It's not It's not to cause the pain, but it's, it's a tactical decision. Tactical decision. It's not. It's not malicious. Sometimes, yeah. every time. There was a play every last night, Daniel, just time. for an example. It doesn't even have to be necessarily laying the boom, which I've seen her do plenty. A girl was trying to get to the ball, and so she just decided she was going to completely shield her and, and put her body in the way and just take the blow, and it made the girl so mad, and then all the fans booed. And they wanted, like, a penalty, but that's actually a great defensive strategy. So she just, like, took the brunt of the hit and just – she didn't even move Shannon. Shannon didn't even budge, and so – how, but, you know, just for Daniel's, uh, you know, pleasure, Shannon, like if you were to just put like a, a guess, an estimate on how many yellow cards you've gotten in your college career, how many do you think you got? Well, it couldn't, it can't be more than 20 because I've never had to miss a game for too many yellows and you get five a year and then you have to sit. So it's definitely less than 20. I'm sitting on zero this year. Oh, um, we got to we gotta step that up. I'm going to say. You only get five, five a year? I know, I've got to be a bit careful there. Low. That seems one, low. One year I was playing on the line at four, so I've had to rein it back a little bit. Ah, uh, see, that's the only reason, Daniel. She would have got the five, no problem, but she didn't want to be in trouble. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, if I had been challenged to the five, I definitely could have achieved that. I just got to be a bit careful. <laughs> <laughs> No, uh, and, it, and it's fun. You, uh, you know, like I said, you and Maya both, y'all play with such a, a, a physicality on that back line. I, I love watching y'all, um, you know, in your defensive strategy. So ultimately last year, you know, y'all make it to the NCAA tournament and there is some major conflict. I, I know you see Daniel's Memphis flag behind him. Randy is in Memphis. Uh, we're all three from Memphis. Um, you know, we go to the, the local games. Memphis is the local team we support. But obviously, you know that you saw me and my daughter were LSU fans. So she even trains with Grace Storty from Memphis. So 64 teams last year in the tournament that can be paired up. And LSU and Memphis have to be paired of all teams. The two teams we root for to give us this conflict of interest. Um, it was great that y'all got to come to town and all, but like it made it, it made it really hard. And you know, I wore purple and gold. My 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 daughter played the smart card. She went neutral. She was she wasn't. Uh -huh. <laughs> but, you know, but you know, talk about you know, since we are all from Memphis, talk about what it was like to come into Memphis because I know y'all got to spend some time around, not just play soccer. Um, um, just talk about that experience in Memphis, and then also that game as well, and just getting you know back in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, I think a huge part of college soccer is getting to travel, which is obviously a huge blessing that we get to travel around the country and, and see all the different landmarks and see all these different states that you would never really go to unless unless you was playing soccer there. 
So getting to go to all these places is obviously really cool, but ultimately we are there for business trip and we're there to win the game, which obviously didn't happen um, in the Nationals, which is extremely frustrating. But I think that's something that we just need to continue to hold on to. It was still pretty fresh for me because I'm a terrible loser, so I hold stuff with me and use it as fuel. So I definitely haven't forgot about that game and I'll be taking that in, into the NCAAs. I mean, this year, just holding a bit of grit between my teeth. Yeah, um, and you you basically kind of lost a national game there, Shannon. I don't know if you're familiar with Memphis's roster. It's more than half Canadian, so you know, you, you know, England took a loss to Canada there. You know, what I'm don't want to talk about that one. Bring it up. Did you get to eat? Did you get to eat some Memphis barbecue while you were here? That's what we need to know. Yes, we did actually. We did. It got brought into the hotel one night, and I do love a bit of barbecue, so I definitely appreciate that. Where was it from? I couldn't tell you. It came in oh. on those metal trays, and I just dug in and enjoyed it. I bet you it was probably. Any questions? Were y'all staying downtown? You don't actually know. It's probably Rendezvous or Central, if I had to guess. It was good though. It was good though. There's, There's no bad there. barbecue here, Shannon. I'm gonna tell you. <laughs> so you know, um, you know, you talked about it was obviously you know you don't like losing, but would you say, especially coming off the previous, um, you know, two seasons? Like I said, getting ranked all the way to number five in the nation and getting back to the NCAA tournament, would you, you know, say it was a successful season? I would, yes. I think we definitely started extremely successful making program history and going on a 10-game winning streak. That was that was amazing. But looking back, it's frustrating that we we went on that series of losing streaks because obviously you reap the highs, but then you also do suffer the lows and Unfortunately, that is part of the game, but something that I'm st- I'm still learning to deal with. I, I ask any of my teammates. I am the worst loser in the world. I'm so competitive. I just love to win. So when we went on that five-game losing streak, it's frustrating looking back because I question what could we have done to prevent that, and I, I honestly don't have the answer to that because during that time, we really dug deep as a team to try and find something that was going wrong that was leading to these losses. And then obviously we must have found something within us to to beat Kentucky, which then took us back on that winning streak. But I do I would conclude it a, a successful season overall, especially with the start. Um, and then we finished we finished strong, and then it was up and down. But if I was looking at the season when I look back in years in years to come, I I would classify that as as a season where we did achieve a lot as a team. You know, I didn't have this question originally, but these guys know because I went on and on about it um, last season. Let me ask you a question. In those losses, um, I was there for this, unfortunately. Uh, was your least favorite loss possibly at Ole Miss? Yes. Probably. <laughs> Probably. Hey, hey, you got to tell these guys, I'm about like, how bad How bad were the fans there? Just be honest. Be honest on there. Yeah, honestly, absolutely terrible. <laughs> One of the most I, smart environments I've ever been a part of. I, I try to tell these guys, and they're like, oh, you're just being, you know, you're an LSU guy, so you're just, you know, you're seeing all the negative. I'm like, no, this was this was different. This was special. So I just had to ask you that question. We'll we'll move on. We won't we won't harp too much on that. But you know, talking about getting to travel, um, you know, early this season, y'all got to go out to California and play some games. And I and I saw the pictures of uh, y'all having fun. Not only did y'all get to play some high caliber teams, but y'all got to have some fun. Uh, you know, just talk about that little trip to start this season. Yeah, that was so much fun. And I've always wanted to go to California and getting the chance to do that with with the team and with people that I care so much about and get to play some 
at the same time is just a win-win. And we made such amazing memories on that trip. Funny story, it's probably going to sound disgusting, but let me let me give you some context so you don't judge it too too early. I was trying to buy a boogie board off of a man on the beach who was, had this car and he was selling all this stuff. And he, he said, oh, um, the boogie board's $20. And I said to him, $20? That's a rip-off. Like, come on, give me a deal. And he wasn't having any of it. I said, listen, I'm on the LSU soccer team. I'll do a deal for you. I'll go up and down the beach promoting your car. And we're going to get everyone to buy something from you if you give me that boogie board for free. And I don't think he really understood what I was trying to offer him. But he was like, no, no, $20. And I was like, nah, I'm not having it. I'm not paying 20 bucks for an hour. So we're doing some activation on the beach. We're stretching, we're running, whatever. And I'm like to the girls, I really want a boogie board. So we're trying to eye out some kids in the ocean to see if we could share this boogie board with them. And we thought, now that's probably a little bit mean if 30 of us just go over there and try and take their boogie board. <laughs> and Alicia actually just so happened to look in this trash can and there was a brand new boogie board, hardly touched, and there wasn't any trash in there because otherwise I wouldn't have gone digging. But because I'm 5'10", I could just reach over there and drag that bad boy out. So I went in there, I took it out, I gave it a little wash in the ocean and we had so much fun. And honestly, that is something I'll never forget. We were just catching waves and just having the best time in there and memories for life. I got a whole nother scenario here. You could have offered some Southern hospitality and dinner for that guy. I bet you could have got the boogie boy for free. I really don't think he was understanding what I was trying to say. I think the accent was really throwing him off. I, I just like, love, I don't know what you're saying, but no. Yeah. He's like, no, give me the money. I just love the saying one person's trash is another person's treasure came to life in, in this story. Absolutely. Absolutely. Treasure that made memories for life. I'll never, ever forget that. We actually kept that for the whole trip, which was so funny. And then at the end of the trip, I said to the, the manager of the hotel here, you can have this, give this to a little kid. So it's still floating around in Cali somewhere. It's still living on. He might have thrown it in the trash, though. <laughs> he might have. Hopefully some kid goes digging. There you go. The gift that kept on giving. But, you know, uh, so y'all go have fun out there. You play some games, and then you come back, um, you know, uh, get off to 2-0 and in the SEC, especially, uh, you know, I watched the game the other night. You know, you're down 1-0 with 18 minutes left, and, you know, and then all of a sudden y'all just – kick into high gear end up winning the game two to one just talk about that especially because um you had such a huge crowd at home at LSU you know first uh, SEC game at home talk about what it was like to have that come back in front of that huge crowd yeah it was very special I think we owe a lot to the crowd because obviously they give us so much energy when maybe that's lacking on the field um but again it goes back to mindset not one of us on that team didn't think we would win and that was a big big talking point at halftime that we can do this we can absolutely take this game and we can we can bring it to them and obviously there was some clever tactical changes from the coaching staff and just continuing to believe in the team and then when we got that first goal back I think we were like okay yes it's go time we can absolutely do this and then obviously we got the second one and just held back and killed the game a little bit and give the fans what they wanted to see so let me ask you a question before I uh, talk to you about last night's game. Are you a superstitious person? See, that's a great question because I like to say no, but there are little silly things that I do. So it's probably yes. I asked Molly Swift last night, and I hadn't even told these guys this yet. Um, me and my daughter talked about it last night on the car ride home, but I'd asked Molly this. I, she was asking me if I was still coming to the Alabama game in Baton Rouge, and I said yes, but only if you will allow me, because this is where I'm going to ask you if you believe in it. 
Y'all are zero and six when me and my daughter have attended a game. Are we welcome to the Alabama game, Shannon? No. Oh dear, that is not a good record. <laughs> it, 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 and it's it's I don't I she said and so let me tell you first Molly said she doesn't believe in any of that and she loves the love and support and I wouldn't expect a different answer from Molly but you <laughs> seem like such a straight uh, straight shooter I gotta ask Shannon are we welcome to Alabama game or do we need to do it? Do we need to stay? Because um, hey, y'all don't lose when I watch on TV, so it's just it's an in-person thing. Listen, I'm not saying you're not welcome. However, maybe there's an opportunity you just hang around at the tailgate beforehand, you experience it, <laughs> then you just go back and watch it at the hotel. See, Randy, what she needs to happen. The reason I'm going to go to the Alabama game is because I'm going to the Tennessee football game the day before, and he's a Tennessee football fan. So, what you need to happen that'll work for both y'all is if Tennessee just beats LSU so bad in football, I'll leave town anyway, upset. So that's that's just. <laughs> It'll work out for both of y'all. It'll work out. I'm, I'm all for it, Shannon. I think we're on the same team here. <laughs> so, you know, last night, uh, you know, we, we talk about the, the Ole Miss game, but I got to ask you, playing in Starville, the Cowbells, do they, do they annoy you? No, I don't really pay too much attention to the crowd. Those, those things, well, when you're sitting in the crowd and you're not one of them, it is, it is highly annoying. Yeah, <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> but uh you know i gotta ask you that that game seemed um you know pretty evenly matched and you know i don't like to make excuses so what i'm just going to ask is is a, a simple question about a certain you know taylor doblace me and a get guest on this show there was two different calls there were so many questionable calls but there was the one where her feet got taken out from under her where she was going to have a wide open shot on goal and then there was one where her arm got grabbed and she got thrown to the ground and she was going to have a wide open shot and goal Am I wrong from the stands? Were those were those penalties? I have to go back and watch it back, but I mean, if I was a if I was an attacker in that situation, I would definitely sell it. I think sometimes we think as a team, and I tell the girls this, that we get prizes for staying on our feet. And last night it showed up because obviously we got a call against us when the girl chose to go to ground, and I think that's just a technical tactical piece. If if you feel it, go down, sell it. Because if teams are going to do that against us, we can absolutely do that back against them. Um, so maybe I'll I'll practice that with the girls this week at training, get some theatrics going. Yeah, no doubt. So like with that, you know, um, they obviously were scoring off corner kicks, and um, you as a defender, um, and how much y'all y'all practice that? I mean, honestly, with the way last night's game went, like I mean, y'all probably had practice today. I mean, how much was that you know talked about just because they were getting them off set pieces like that? Yeah, it was obviously spoke about a lot. It's it's frustrating because in open play, they didn't beat us, but that's just the fine margins of the game. It comes down to the little percentages, and if we're not switched on in those moments, then we're absolutely going to be punished. So I think as a team, we just need to stay locked in and we have to stay focused for the whole 90 minutes. We can't afford to, to switch off for those couple of seconds. And I think defensive set pieces are definitely going to be a, a big emphasis this week at training. Yeah, absolutely. So this will be my last thing, and then I'll let uh, I'll let Randy play a game. You know, you know, we talk about the SEC. the 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 West is just a gauntlet. You know, for anybody who pays attention to SEC soccer, you know, you got Ole Miss, Arkansas, and Alabama still on the schedule, among other teams. Um, you know, so like, you know, how excited are you? Like, because you seem like somebody who just loves competition and thrives on competition. Are you excited that you got all these big time opponents coming up? And you know, um, and with that, when you're done, you know. Best of luck as y'all go forward. Yeah, I'm extremely excited. I would so much rather be the underdog every single weekend and play the top five teams than 
then win 5-0 and just expect to win because those are the games we train for. Those are the games that we come out every single day and we sweat and we run and we grind for is to be in those situations to prove ourselves. And I think that's such a beautiful thing about the game is that there's always going to be an underdog. And I love it when it's us because we just have a point to prove. And I know as a team, we can go out there and do that. And that's, again, that belief belief part. If we can go against these teams and believe that we can win and get a result, which we absolutely can, I think that there's going to be some exciting things to watch and some great results this season. Absolutely, Shannon. So, look, you're off the hot seat, and now it's time to play a little game before we get you out of here. And let me let me explain the game. It's it's called this or that. So I'm going to give you two options. You cannot say neither. You can't say both. You got to pick one or the other. You down? Got it. Okay. So we're going to start off with a a real a real softball. Is this is this quick fire? Am I? Just no, 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 no. We'll, we'll expound upon the answers depending on what you say. We'll judge you, but no, no worries. No worries. <laughs> There's judgment. I got to be careful what I say it. Absolutely. There's going to be judgment for sure. Cause if you got oh, any yeah. Louisianians listening to this first one, I got to be honest with you. I got to better food, England or Louisiana. England. I don't even have to think about that one. Oh, okay. I'm, off- I'm offended. I'm offended. Yeah, I ain't been to offended, England, though. But that's it's fine. It's too spicy for me out here. Oh, oh yeah. What is so if I'm gonna go to England, what is one food I have to try? Roast dinner and make sure you get a nice big Yorkshire pudding on it. <laughs> I love it. I mean, I, I'm, I'm I'll probably eat whatever. I'm a big guy. I don't I don't really. <laughs> okay, so this next one I got to be. I did not write this next question, so I, I'm gonna be. I, that actually came. Answer. That actually came from Daniel. That is a Daniel found that question. Okay, this is this is from DB Giraffe neck or T Rex arms. Oh, giraffe neck. Okay, explain that to me. Anybody, any, everybody? <laughs> I would be extremely dangerous in the box if I could just stand on the edge of the 18 and move my head. <laughs> Understood. Every time. Yeah, I don't think there's really an advantage to T-Rex arms at all, right? Um, I, I can't think of one. Yeah, I think it's more about the fact that if you're willing to stand out with the giraffe neck or would you rather just have the little arms? But Shannon found the positive side of she it. She did. So. All right. So the next question, talking movies now, comedy or drama? Probably going to go for comedy. All right. What is your favorite comedy movie of all time? Of all time. Anything Adam Sandler. I just absolutely love him. That Hey, not a bad pick at all. He's great. All right. So you, you talked about, you talked about both of these things. You talked about the boogie boards. You talked about Vegas. So I got to ask you, you get an option, the beach or the casino, which one are you doing? Oh, that's a great question. I think I'm going to go with beach because I'll save my money. <laughs> this is true. You got a free boogie board. <laughs> right? <laughs> what a bargain. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. You could go to a concert or a sporting event. Any concert, any sporting event, which one are you picking? Oh, that's a great question as well. I'm probably going to pick sporting event. All right. So what is it? Is it World Cup? I mean, what are we saying? What sporting event would you say you have to go to? I would have loved to have been there for the Euros when the women, England women just won a couple of months ago. I'd have, if I was back home, I absolutely would have found a way to get a ticket. I love it. I love it. All right. Would you rather be a hero or a villain? <laughs> is that a trick question? No, no. 
This is this is real deal, Holyfield. And, this and is when the judgment starts. And, and I know you probably think that it's just everybody says hero. No, no, no. It's way more people pick villain. Yeah, I think maybe not way, but more people pick villain than hero, in my opinion. Um, I, I have mean, no other way around. reasons why I'd want to be a villain, but yeah, I'd love to be a hero. Okay, well, who's your favorite hero? Like a superhero? Of course. Are there any other heroes? Yeah, my family are quite heroic to me, but that's a bit. Of oh, that's true. That's a great answer. <laughs> mom, dad, you heard it. Shout out to mom and dad. Absolutely. Sorry. Superhero, though. Favorite one. Um, Spider-Man, because I'm not really a Marvel girl, but I have seen the Spider-Mans and I think they're pretty cool. My, my four-year-old would absolutely agree with you. <laughs> absolutely. All right. Last one. This is the one I will judge you on. Would you rather have massive success on accident or modest success on purpose? That is a good question. Did you Google that one? Rephrase wow. it. Rephrase All right. it. Andy. So let me let me sell it to you this way. If I was to say, Shannon, I'm gonna give you a hundred million dollars, or you can earn twenty million dollars, which one would you take? I would want you to give me a hundred mil. <laughs> you were the smartest person we've ever had on this podcast. Actually, you know what? That's maybe two in a row to pick that. But that most before people, that, it was the other. Most people always say, "Well, I want to earn my twenty million. and then I'm like, "But now I got eighty more million dollars than you, just yeah. because you wanted to earn it." Especially because we're talking to athletes, Shannon. So they'll be like, "Oh, I want you know, like I want to make my twenty million dollars playing baseball, football, soccer, whatever." No, they just Give show me up the, the camera. You've got to be real with these things. You I'm gotta be real. 100 mil. Where do I sign? Then I'm gonna go and earn another 20 mil. And now I'm at 120. Exactly. And just don't go to the casino, Shannon. Oh, yeah. I'll slap it all on black. <laughs> I can last oh, a, at least 30 minutes black. with $25 a hand. And hey, you know what? A long time in Vegas. Based upon her answer right there, or that comment right there, I think she actually still would have took the casino or the beach if you would have told her that she had uh, fun. You know, you were uh, actually giving her the money to play with, Randy. Big facts. That's the biggest. That was the best part of the question. If I feel like been giving me the money, I'd be there. I'd be there right now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Shannon. Before you get out of here, anything you want to plug or promote? Plug or promote. Come to our game against Kentucky this Sunday at home. We're on the biggest crowd that we've ever had. We're looking to beat 3,021. So if you could be the 3,022, there might be a special gift waiting for you in the stands. Oh. It's a boogie board straight out the trash. <laughs> in 2022, you can be fan number Three thousand and twenty-two, and they got something special for you. Got a ring to it. There you go. If you want to know more about Shannon Cook, go on over to Instagram at Shan with two N's underscore Cook with a K with an E, or see what she's doing on the soccer field at LSU Soccer. Shannon had a great time. Thank you for joining us. If there's anything that we can do for you along the way, please reach out to us. Thank you so much, and thank you for having me on. Absolutely. That's Shannon Cook, everybody. We are going to take a break. We're going to plug our sponsors. When we come back, we got all things Pujols, Judge, college football, and pro football. Are you looking to buy or sell a home? Q is your guy. Quintavious Burdett, who was once a guest of In Off the Bench and Ole Miss alumni, who is with REMAX, 
is the guy who will help you get your home. He is the guy who just helped me get my home. I just closed on my house a few weeks ago in the South Haven area, and Quintavious is the one who set the whole thing up. He is the man. He is one of the top, if not the top, realtor in the Mid-South area. You can get a hold of him at 662-292-7136 for all your real estate needs. Base Sports Performance is an athlete and personal training facility located in Hernando, Mississippi that specializes in athletic development through strength and conditioning, speed and agility, and movement-based training. They offer individualized programs for adults as well as professional, collegiate, high school, and youth athletes. Some of their program options include athlete performance training, small group personal training, return from injury programs, throwing and pitching development for baseball players. The best place to check them out is on Instagram, at base underscore sports underscore performance. Website is basesportsperformance.com. Their email address is base period sports performance at gmail.com and phone number is 662-292-7761. I'm personally using them for a return from injury program and we have had many in off the bench guests who have used them for their pitching development. So check them out today. Welcome back to the In Off the Bench podcast. It's time for headlines, and obviously, there's some big baseball headlines, starting with the biggest, Pujols, 700 homers. And I'll be the first to tell you, I didn't think he could do it. I didn't think he was going to be able to hit them just based on the numbers per home run, per at-bat, per game. I just, I don't know. I felt like it was a a, a tall task, but I was proven wrong. I was happy that I was proven wrong. Randy, where does this rank Pujols as far as in Cardinal history? Is he the best Cardinal ever? I think he was the best Cardinal ever before this happened. This just further cements his legacy. I think had he not left for the money, it would be unquestioned by anybody. Uh, but yeah, I mean, to be able to do what he's done, have that resurgence at that his age, 42, 43, whatever, 55, doesn't really matter. But I mean, we're not talking about a guy that's just hitting a couple. I mean, he's plus 20 on the years, close to 60 RBIs. I mean, we're talking about a guy that's got a pretty good clip and against lefties, it's a great clip. I mean, a guy that's batting over 260 from both sides of the dish. I mean, this guy's a real weapon going into the playoffs. So to get 700 was almost like the icing on the cake for obviously a lock Hall of Famer. Gotcha. And what would you say, Jim, the consensus is that he's the greatest Cardinal ever? I mean, there's been some good ones. Yeah, I mean, it's it's gonna go to that whole generational thing, right? Like, so my dad would probably say no as you know, longtime Cardinal fan and a guy in his sixties, right? But like, you know, for us undoubtedly right like it's no question and before I continue on we got to give Randy a shout out because my man did say that they would both be hitting the same game and they did so that's a bold call and it happened but bold move bombs bombs too they weren't just like you know little dink and against the Dodgers makes it better right always 
Yeah, abs, of course. But uh, no, Daniel. I so yeah. I mean, if you were to look at guys like you know, everybody talks about Stan the Man. Obviously, Ozzy was a real big thing. We're little, and then you go even on further and further. You know, way before our time, you can make those cases. But it's so hard when you're talking about guys of di- different generations. But when you're a part of a 700 club, that he's the fourth member, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So doing something that only four guys have done and he did it without getting caught cheating, mind you. Also, like, um, I mean, it's really hard to not argue his case. Man, he you said it without getting caught cheating like the dude was cheating and he just didn't get caught. <laughs> hey, man, I, I don't know, man. Oh, he might have. You never know. I just I just know that. I learned something new today, guys, and y'all probably knew this, and I and maybe it slipped by me. I did not even know he went to community college and played baseball before he I like I remember seeing him in the Redbirds and everything, but I didn't know where I actually just assumed that you know we he got brought in from you know drafted from overseas. Like I did not know that he went to some middle of nowhere community college. I did not either. So with us, you know we talk to these guys all the time that went from community college to big sec schools. Like, like now I'm even more a believer that, you know, some of those guys not saying they'll hit 700 home runs or anything, but I mean, the sky's the limit because look what Albert did. The more, you know, man. So Randy, you got on the, the other side, you got Aaron judge who's still sitting at 60. Um, I haven't seen anything tonight. So I'm assuming that he's still at 60. Correct. Is he is he going to do it? Yeah, he is. I think right now, I mean, it's not like he's not hitting the ball. He's just not hitting home runs. But, yeah, he'll get it. He's hitting – I watched it tonight before we came on here. Good stroke. I think that, yeah, absolutely, he, he's going to get it. Hey, you said that, that it's a gentleman's game, uh, one of you. I can't remember. And then Boston turned around that next night and walked him four times. <laughs> well, that's different. There's no love between Boston and New York. Yeah, and what are what are? Uh, that's kind of messed up. Boston's yeah, I think not it's even playing for anything. Yeah, they're way out of the playoffs. If you don't, I mean, pitch to the kid. You know, come on, guys. I, I just brought up, I just brought up a list. Y'all, I would be on. I'd be honored to give up sixty-one to Aaron Judge. Heck yeah, guys. I, I'm going to stun y'all with this list. It's a top 10 list of guys who went to junior colleges. Let's start with Bryce Harper, Jorge Posada, Heath Bell, Mike Piazza. I don't know who Roy Oswald is. Um, Kurt, what? I don't. What? I don't. What? Are you kidding me? Are you joking? But, it, hey, of all places, he went to Holmes, where we've had two guests. I don't. I, I'm not even lying to you. Um, uh, Kurt Schilling. Andy Pettit, Kirby Puckett, Albert Pujols, and Jackie Robinson as your top ten. No, I really don't know who that is, but um, that list is insane. He was a huge – like, this wasn't even before our time. Like, that guy was a stud pitcher, like, when we were grown-ups. Like – Like, recently. That, that he Astros – He must have slipped by me. But either way, the whole, the whole point was, e- even if you take away – the idea that I don't know about him, the other guys that I do know on that list um, are absolutely – it's an insane list. Roy Oswald is probably – of our generation, what do you think, Daniel, top 15? He was he was drafted yeah. in 1996. We were 12. Y'all said when I was an adult. Man, y'all he was really dominating the league in the him late and, 2000s. Him and Clemens for the Astros, I think, 
were dominating folks. Yeah. I mean, then he did he go to the Phillies after? Yeah. He, he went, went to, to the, the Rangers Phillies. and then the Rockies. I got it pulled up. Yeah, he was a stud. Yeah, he was good. Oh, he's saying Phillies. He's got I don't know why that wasn't like, yeah, he played for four different teams. Anyway, well do you do you, do you, oh, you think, know what you know what was he a part of the Phillies National or uh, uh World Series team? I think they, I do remember now. The name now I'm starting to think it's clicking. They went to the World Series, I know, with him. I don't know if that's the one they lost. Wait, was that the Phillies that lost to the Yankees in Jeter's like oh nine or something? I don't remember. But yeah, now I'm thinking now I'm thinking it, it I, I still forgot about him, so that, that still makes me look stupid. But I, I think I remember the name now as we start talking about Phillies because he was a part of that pitching staff that was so good that either went to the World Series or won a World Series. Anyway, I took us off on a major tangent, but it's amazing that Albert Pujols, nonetheless, went to junior college. No doubt. Great list. So, great list. But speaking of great lists, we got we to gotta talk this this great list of games over the weekend um randy i gotta start with you man tennessee florida obviously you always want to beat florida you always want to pound their faces in um i would say for the most part tennessee played well i think they could play much better um but you get out with a with a win and that's that's the goal what did what did you see was it a well-played game did you see that they could play better um and if so what do they need to do differently moving into obviously you know a, a tough stretch of games that that's coming up for them yeah so um the biggest thing was and i saw a lot of tennessee fans unhappy with the way the game ended and 38 is more than 33 right you're looking to escape with a win any way you can get it especially against a team that now you've beaten twice in the last 16 years so it's not like it happens often Offensively, they could not have played better, uh, minus a couple of turnovers, but they didn't punt the ball all day. The only time that they were stopped is when they stopped themselves because, you know, they turned the ball over, but the punter don't even get any action. Defensively, I thought what happened, what what I saw, and this may be some bias, uh, they go up 38-21, and then they get the ball back, and they were just kind of sleepwalking through it. And when you do that against a team like Florida – that it's a rivalry game. They're not going to quit, and they didn't. And, and I got to, I got to be honest. I was really vocal about my Anthony Richardson, how I did not think he was a very good quarterback. Couldn't read defenses. Couldn't throw the ball, and he was still twenty four or forty four. So like we're not even we're like barely fifty percent. But he made some throws in that game that were that I understand why NFL scouts have him in the top ten because that guy's raw ability is off the charts. But um, I got to focus on Hendon Hooker for a second. He doesn't wow you like uh, Anthony Richardson with stuff that he does with his legs or his arms, but he is so smooth with it. We're talking about a guy that was 22 at 28, 350 yards, you know, put up a buck 12 on the ground, including one rush where he was sacked, sandwiched in between his own guy and a Florida guy, gets out of it, runs for, I think, 44, 55 yards, something like that. And he just played amazing. Shot up the best receiver, too. Did not have Cedric Tillman, and I said before the game on a on a show that I, on another show that I do that Brew McCoy would be the one that stepped up USC transfer and step up he did a lot of them did but Brew McCoy five receptions 102 yards and a touchdown uh, you had the Memphis kid Jabari Small stepped up in a big way uh, but what can they do better DB the defense uh, they were missing Burrell who is their absolute best cornerback and that showed I thought 
they did a pretty good job at keeping Richardson contained as far as not letting him beat him with their legs. Um, and he didn't beat him with his legs as far as like getting out and running. But what he did do is move the pocket and create mismatches, just extending the plays. The defense has to get better at staying with their guys. Too many people were wide open. Um, they didn't really let him rush the ball, but the secondary is a big problem. And I'll be honest, I'm seeing that across the entire SEC, excluding Alabama and really excluding Florida, uh, Georgia other than this last game. Uh, but the secondary is just as oh, – they're looking pretty weak out there, man. Tennessee's hey, is no different. Hey, I'll say this, Randy. You said a lot of fans were unhappy with, you know, how it ended. But, you know, I was watching that uh, that Barstool show that, you know, Tony V was a part of was the reason it was I was actually watching it. But I was listening to Barstool president, among other guys, um, talking about they're not going to cover the spread because this is a rivalry game and it'll find its way into a one score game. And so when it went down at the end, the way he did, um, it doesn't surprise anybody who knows the rivalry, like you said, like, because that's just Florida's not going to go away because it's Tennessee and that's they're that thorn in the side. I will tell you this, DB, the last thing I'll say about this. When Florida scores that last touchdown and then goes for the onside kick and then they recover it, I literally felt myself about to get sick because I've seen so many times just a couple years ago, Felipe Franks couldn't hit the broad side of a barn and he hits a 65-yard Hail Mary, you know, touch pass in the end zone. And they've just they just broken our hearts like that so many times. I could just see it happening. Well, so, what I didn't realize is that you couldn't even advance. Yeah, can't advance. That. Yeah, you can't advance it. But either way, what a freaking play by that yeah. Florida guy, man. I mean, what a freaking play. But they had a chance. And for the first, not for the, I'm not going to say the first time, very rarely on Saturday was the defensive line able to get pressure on him. So when, being able to do that and get to his legs and, and take a lot of juice off that throw created that interception. And it was like a, a pure relief for me. I mean, should Tennessee have won by a couple touchdowns? I, I think so. Um, but going into the bye week now, before you got to go down to Baton Rouge for like an 8 a.m. game, <laughs> having several guys, I think they were missing six starters um, Saturday to get healthy, and all of them should be back for that game in, in, uh, against LSU. I think they're sitting in a good spot. First time they've been in the top 10 since 2006. They're 4 0 for the first time since 2016. Josh Heupel said afterwards that Rocky Top is back. I'm not going to go that far because I think there's still a lot to prove. They've beaten two top 25 teams, but I'm not sure that either are great. They haven't beaten the two hardest ones they got to beat. That's, the, that's yeah. the problem. You got Georgia and Alabama, and you got Kentucky too. I mean, I know that we always say, oh, well, they do beat Kentucky. Well, Florida always beats Tennessee, so anything can happen. Hey, Randy, but I'm happy. Randy, remind me when we get to NFL to talk about how Cooper Rush is better than Dak Prescott. Hot take. <laughs> I'm all in. Jeez. All right, guys. That's. That's that's it for tonight. It's been real. That's Did you just go. see that throw? Are we kidding? Yeah. I mean, no, no pressure on the guy. He's in a. He's. We'll we'll, we'll talk about that. I'm just bit. glad it went to CD Lamb, who I have on my fantasy team. I mean, yeah, he needed to catch one eventually. I mean, geez. Hey, you keep throwing it to him. He's gonna catch one. Yeah. So, obviously, we got the Tennessee recap, LSU recap, Jim. Not a whole lot to recap. I mean, 38 to nothing just took um, care of business the way that they should against a New Mexico State team, right? New Mexico. Uh, it was worth uh, noting they only allowed two first downs. And so, like, you know, um, it is, you know, it is a Division One team. This isn't, you know, a nobody. And they were a team that actually had a 
you know, middle of the pack offense in the nation. So for an LSU defense, because, you know, as Randy was talking about, a lot of them getting shredded up for them to only allow two first downs all game, um, you know, just really against anybody. Um, it, it really it was it was a good thing for them to to build on. Um, one of the good things that happened during the game, it, it sounds bad when I say good thing, but um, you know, for Daniels to get knocked out of the game and Nussmeyer to come in and start spinning it like I, I tell people that he can um, makes me realize that, you know, there might be a better quarterback sitting on the bench, but hey, that's that's a topic for another day. I just want to throw hope, that out there. I hope that Nussmeyer's still the quarterback in two weeks. I hope. He won't be because uh, Daniels could have came back in the game. The reason they didn't, it was because they were already up um, – whatever 24 nothing at the time and so there was no no need to to put him back out there i understand the dual threat give me the guy who can thread the needle all day well i mean you you've been harping you that's the guy that you want in the game but now after seeing that is he still the guy that you want or is daniel still gonna go out there and and you're gonna bitch and complain about it, it no it's hard because daniels has played so well um you know Another note to to mention, even though they were playing New Mexico, they played without uh, Boutte, and, um, you know, the offense seemed to flow a lot better. You often wonder, you know, even though he's a top five receiver in the land, um, when you don't have um, that person out there who's demanding the ball and causing problems, um, does it maybe help with chemistry? Uh, he had his uh, – him and his girlfriend had a baby, and so he missed the game, and so um, – I wonder what it looks like when he comes back in. Um, luckily, they play Auburn this weekend. And if y'all saw Auburn's game, um, they did everything they could to lose the game and still managed to win. So I feel really They're good Auburn. about. Yeah, I feel really good about playing them. Yeah, um, two weeks though. Obviously, you got a big showdown with Tennessee. Um, you're a little upset about the game time. You don't think that the 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 kids and the fans are, are going to be lit enough for the, well, the atmosphere to be electric to be honest uh randy will verify because we have so many mutual uh tennessee people on twitter they're unhappy too it's not about the people who are watching on tv it's about the people who are going so whether you are an lsu tailgater or you're a tennessee person traveling you're not happy about this game being when it is um it kills the experience and the vibe of the day yeah, I, I could see that. Um, it's probably for the best. Um, but, yeah, I would definitely – I don't think the the feeling of uh 11 o'clock game is the same as the feeling of you – know, Speaking of the Tennessee Twitter, lights. Big Orange Vitello he tweeted out when he found out, I personally love the fact we will not be playing LSU in Death Valley at night. That's been pretty synonymous because I think well, – Jimmy touched on it earlier – do we want to play LSU? Do I think we could beat them straight up neutral field? Uh, they should, but do we want to play LSU after a hundred thousand people have been drinking and getting all liquored up all day? No, probably not. Do we want to listen to Nick be played a hundred times? Probably not. It would be a different atmosphere. I'm all for the 11 a.m. Yes, it absolutely takes away from the atmosphere, but look, man, we're just trying to get doves. Hey, there's nothing wrong with just trying to get dove. It's it's funny you say that. Me and Big Orange uh, Vitello shared the neck video to on Twitter today uh, in regards to the eleven a.m. So yes, he the the people do want the Tennessee fans do want it for an advantage standpoint. But from those who are going, 
Like, I mean, it doesn't matter who you're talking about. Um, you know, if you're, if you're going to Memphis game down on Tiger Lane, 11 a.m. sucks, man. Like, you don't get to go out there and tailgate. Oh, we're going to get into those fans in just a minute. <laughs> well, let, let, let's go there. Um, you know, obviously, with Memphis, I don't get a chance to go tailgate. I don't get a chance to experience any of the, the pregame festivities. Um, you know, as far Nobody as... Nobody else does either. Apparently. Why, why is that? I had a couple conversations about that, DB. I'm glad you asked. Before, before, you, before you say it, Randy, does it have anything to do with what I told you was a bad idea to have at the same time on the same day? No, because, I mean, I saw a lot of pictures from that. There wasn't a whole lot of people there. What I, this is what I heard. I heard that it's the middle of the day. I heard Grizzlies, Redbirds, block party. Okay, that's fine. I also was told, and this, is, this was the worst that I've ever heard. We're not coming because the Tennessee-Florida game is at the same time. And I thought, well, you're not a fan of Tennessee or Florida. Yeah, but that's a big game. So, I mean, my, my only my thing to that is, and you know, I, do, I root for Memphis. I have a rooting interest in Memphis. I want them to do well. This city is better when they're supported. You will never, ever, ever get into a Power Five with the mentality that this football fan base has. You just won't. If you can only put 20,000 people in your stands at an afternoon game, and I know it was hot. I know that. Guess where else it was hot? It was hot in Knoxville. It's hot in LSU. It's hot in Alabama. It's hot all the old Miss. It was hot as shit down there. They play at the same time. I, I just don't understand why this city does not support this football team when you're talking about a, fan, a, a football team that for 30-plus years didn't make a bowl game, and now they've made, what, nine straight? And you can't get – 30,000 people in the stands? I don't I don't they deserve better than that. Interesting you brought up Ole Miss because their fan base is taking heat as well because they all left by halftime in a tight game with Tulsa. They did well, to be fair, at halftime it wasn't tight. It got tight a little later. They run off and put I think yeah, a matter of fact, I know I was watching it. Ole Miss scored 28 points in the second half and then they all left thinking, "Oh, well, this is in the bag." Little did they know, my friends, it was not. Not so fast, my friend. But Randy, does does that even – all right, so if, if they were to have an on-campus stadium, would that change? No, I don't think so. I think it would help if the stadium wasn't so big, but I think that only helps you because it doesn't look as empty. Like if you had a 35,000-seat stadium, which is probably what they should have, and you put 20 in it, it doesn't look bad, right? But you have right. a 60,000, and it looks really empty. And based, and upon it's hot. The, based upon the excuses you said it in, in on campus stadium wouldn't have changed that it was hot in Tennessee and Florida were playing. Yeah, or there was a Grizzlies block party, or that the Cooper Young Festival. Well, that was at the next that the weekend before. I, I, yeah. Just so many excuses I heard. I couldn't. I can't wrap my head around it because to me, if I'm a Tiger season ticket holder, I had a guy tell me that his company bought 500 tickets to the game. They had 25 of them get used. I, you can't. I don't understand. So, I don't get it. But what does that say about the city and the program as a whole? If because I'm pretty sure this probably doesn't happen in other other college cities. But what does that say about your program and the city as a whole? If the city's like, you know what, it doesn't matter if there's a Tiger football game on Saturday, we're gonna still plan our our block party or our festival or our farmers market on this day. Yeah, you're right. You're right. That doesn't. I, mean, I bet that wasn't happening in Knoxville. Yeah, no. And no, I said something no, to Randy. That's no. why I asked Randy the, the because the the Redbirds thing they were given 
special for the first 5,000 fans, special Grizzly edition uh, Redbirds jersey. Zebo was there doing autographs. They did a block party, and it was the exact same time as the Tigers game. And I was like, man, really? They're going to do that to the Tigers? I mean, yeah, they did. <laughs> so, you know, going to the game, I mean, obviously they they won. It was it, – I think I texted you guys during the game, and it just wasn't a smooth game. It was a hard watch, to be honest. I will say the, the bright points is that, you know, Memphis rushed the ball for almost 200 yards. They had, you know, once again, five or six guys rushing the ball. Um, Brandon Thomas looked much better um, this week, you know, as did, you know, Asa Martin looking, looking pretty good. Um, but I think that's the difference is you can allow Seth Hennigan to do a lot of things um, as long as you're running the ball the way they are doing. They've been struggling running the ball and putting a lot of pressure on him. And, you know, the fact of the matter is they didn't uh, – they ran the ball much better against Arkansas State, but they didn't run the ball well at all against Mississippi State. And that, that I think, was the difference maker and why the game – inevitably didn't work out in their favor um, or was even as close as it could have been. But moving forward, like, I think they got to, I think the, the schedule ratchets it, it ratchets up and it's going to get progressively tougher. And I think this is where, you know, Memphis is going to start seeing some of those teams that are equally as good as them or teams that may not be as good as them, but they might execute a little bit better. And because of that, they might, be in some trouble what do you guys think no i agree i think a game where you win by 10 and you have two pick sixes is not exactly what you want and i don't know i think this is what i think about i think that they're they don't really have they did play better it just didn't look as smooth and i'm not sure and you can tell me as a memphis fan i watch them too but i'm not watching them like you are i don't know that they have an identity like they do they know who they are does yeah, Silverfield I, know who he is i think they I think Silverfield wants to run the ball. I really do. But the problem is, is he knows he's got a quarterback that's pretty good. And so, like, what do you do? So then you have guys like Ivory on the outside and Eddie Lewis, who I'll be honest, like, those are good players, but those guys ain't Calvin Austin. Well, no, who you is? Know, they're not Sean Dykes. They're not Anthony Miller. Like, and I think that's where the identity gets lost is because we're trying our hardest to make people believe that those guys are that upper tier and they're just not. So let me ask you this, though. When this team has been at its peak and they're the most fun, they're running and gunning, right? So, like, yeah, they're moving fast. They're, yeah. they're, they're, I mean, you know, and you can say what you want about that fast paced offense because. You know, one of the the negatives to that, and Norvell was was caught on this a bunch, is that the defense was bad because the offense moved too fast. You know, I, I live that as a Tennessee fan. I feel you. So now it's much slower, and the defense, obviously, you know, Jim, shout out to you. You 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 said it. They were playing, you know, pretty dominant. They were they were playing pretty well. They did give up a lot of points, but. Um, you know, they've played better than they have in the past, but I don't know, man. I really don't know. I think that's the big thing that they need to answer over the next couple of weeks as they get in the conference play is 
you know, what is the identity? What are they trying to do? So to tie it to, you know, last week when I was talking about LSU, Mississippi State, and I talked about the balance of LSU, and I said that Mississippi State is more successful when they are balanced and they got off balance against LSU. I think the same goes. I think no different than those two teams, the same with Memphis. Now, do it at a high-speed pace, you know, like you're, you're like you're saying, Daniel. You obviously know you can still run out the hurry-up, but they need to, like you said, run more. Um, you know, was it was it Navy, the game where they, they ran a bunch? Um you know, and, and equaled it out is even though uh, Hennigan had a big stat line, they still rushed for a ton. You, you've got to have some sort of balance. And no matter how good Hennigan is, and like you said, because those guys on the outside, while, you know, they're solid, they're not, you know, the, the big time playmakers. Um, you don't want to put everything on their shoulders. So you got to be very balanced. And I think that's the key. And that's, the, that's their identity that they need to find, in my personal opinion. Well, I think they're going to have to find something quick. Um... Or maybe they don't. Maybe this is what we're going to get. And, you know, maybe this gets you seven or eight wins. And maybe that's what we are. Um, but, you know, looking at other games that, that you know, were big this weekend, Arkansas, Texas A&M. Obviously, Texas A&M, Arkansas goes up early. Texas A&M comes back. I mean, it was really, you know, a, a, a back and forth battle. Um, in quarters one and two, but eventually Texas A&M holds on for a two point win. Um, Randy, Texas A&M, oh, are, so are they, let them go first. Are, are they that good? No. Are they not that good? And no, they're, is they're Arkansas that, good. that bad or are they good? Like, I, I don't know what to, I don't know how to peg either one of these teams just because of, how Texas A&M has played in the past and, you know, really how Arkansas has played in the past. Yeah. I think that's why I picked A&M because this is exactly the game that Jimbo wins. You see his record against ranked teams. You see kind of, they just do enough. Arkansas started out fast. They're up 14 to nothing. Uh, A&M to their credit goes down and gets a score. It's 14, seven. And then, you know, I know what Jim's going to talk about is the, the Superman, the, that changed the momentum. But to me, when A&M has the long drive and they go get a seven, I mean, that to me was that showed that A&M was right back in the game. I mean, by the score and everything, but, and then in the second half, you talked about it, Daniel it was back and forth in the second half, A&M imposed their will. Uh, the running back for A&M, I think it's, I don't even know how you say his last name, a cane, maybe. He was dominant. I mean, he was completely dominant. Max Johnson wasn't good, but he was okay. He made a couple throws that he had to make. And KJ Jefferson and the crew, they just couldn't move the ball. AM's defenses, they are good. I, I don't think that there's any qualms about that. But then somehow or another, AM, because they can't score the ball very well, lets Arkansas get back into the game. KJ Jefferson gets a touchdown, they make some plays, and then they get the ball back and had a chance to win the dang game. Because I think if you score that field goal and go up one, A&M's offense is not good enough to drive down, I don't think, and get another one. So, and then go, I've never seen it. It bounces off the top of the upright. So I don't think either team is good, but this is exactly the game that A&M and Jimbo win. Jim, what's your what's your take? So many things that I said, and I'm going to go backwards because he brought up the kick. All right. Cam Little, that's why you don't do the gritty on the Tiger Eye, my guy. That's bad karma, and that's why you end up hitting it off the top of the post. Um, but no, uh, that, that is actually surprising because he's a 
he's a money kicker. Um, and uh, just a little story, if y'all didn't read about it, um, he was out there after the game for hours um, kicking kicks. He, uh, he held himself accountable, made some quotes. But, no, the Superman dive play, it is first and goal from the three. K.J. Jefferson lost his mind. He, uh, he, you know, I don't know who he thought he was. There were three Texas A&M defenders in his way. He didn't have a shot in hell. He would have had to have been Superman for real to even have a chance at scoring. And he just dived forward with the ball out there, um, you know, for them to just swat away. They swatted away, pick it up, run it the whole distance. And it went – Hey, but from, talk about that play for a second, though. They didn't just run it the whole distance. The dude got stood up and uh, then had and, the wherewithal to – his teammate to well, take it from him. I was hoping you wouldn't bring that up because they should have called the, the they should have stopped his forward progress. And that was oh, a big I don't deal. agree with that. The quarterback had him wrapped up and stopped, and then he just turned around and handed it to the thing. But anyway, um the cor- the quarterback had him wrapped up. KJ Jefferson's a big dude, to be clear. Um, and he could had you, him and could he you had imagine? Could Rand, you imagine Randy backed me up on that. He's no, a big I'm guy, sure, he had a, he I'm had sure him fully wrapped up. Um, but he didn't ever stop though. But um no, Daniel. If he just if he just sneaks it, and gets stopped. They're gonna the way that they were Arkansas was moving. There's no doubt in my mind. It's not a shoulda coulda. Would've. They would have scored, and they would have went up twenty one to seven. The way A and M's offense is and looks, I don't care if they did have that one drive. They're not very good. Max Johnson is the guy that sucked for LSU. So no, he sucks. Um, I'm not. I'm not a believer in A and M's offense at all. That game, if it gets to twenty one seven, A and M's out of it for the entire time. Um, y'all say one play can't change the game. Um, you know, it was a back and forth between a lot of people on Facebook and Twitter. There's a lot of people that agree with Randy's take. There's a lot of people that agree with mine. Um, I, I 100% believe one play drastically changed the outcome of a game. And obviously there's all the stuff that happens afterward. I get it. But if they go up 21-7, A&M's offense isn't any good. They're not going to win. And I will say this for as far as the rest of the game, Randy, since you watched it, Arkansas's play calling – they had no problem running the ball, but yet they would decide to throw three straight times in a row and then end up having to punt. Like, what are you doing? Like, you're literally imposing your will. No different than you were talking about A&M did. And then they would just decide to throw three straight passes. What are you doing? Yeah, I agree. They, they don't know. And it's kind of like our, our pick them. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't. I think I would have went perfect if it wasn't for it's, Texas A&M Arkansas. Damn it! It's very, very clear. Let's uh, let's recap the picks and let's make our picks for this week. Last week, uh, Clemson Wake Forest. I went on the the. You had it, bro. You I, actually I had, had it. it in in the palm of my hand, and it just like sand uh, uh, uh. slip for slip right through. Clemson, <laughs> you know, comes in, picks up a win, big win. Um, we'll get to Clemson this week. I think theirs is coming, but, um, obviously you guys pick up a point on that game, Florida, Tennessee. We all pick up a point, Arkansas, Texas, A&M, uh, Jim, you're right. You did not pick up a point. Uh, Randy and I did USC, Oregon state. We all got USC TCU, SMU, Jim, you're the only one that picked TCU, Texas, Texas tech. Um, Jim and I pick up a point. We both pick Texas Tech. Hey guys, on that um, on almost that, uh, had that one on that Oregon State USC game. I might have picked it the other way had I known. I ended up watching College Game Day and see that the Oregon State. I didn't realize that they were when USC's ranked in the top ten. They won like their last four times against them, and I was like, 
Ooh, if I'd have seen that, I'd have picked Oregon State on that alone. Well, it, the the total for last week, Jim, you had five correct. Randy, you had four, and I had four. Jim, that puts you on the season, 19. That puts Randy and I at 16. We were down. And it should be 20 to 15. Damn it. Yep. We, you know, we were down. Um, what was it? We were down two last week to you. Now we're down three. So you gained a game on us. So you know, shout out to you. Good job. But that brings us to this weekend's slate of games. And I, if there's ever a, a week of games where Randy and I are getting back in this, it's this week. <laughs> so here we go. Washington Huskies at UCLA. Jim, you're the leader in the clubhouse. You, you're not slick again. You're having me do it so y'all know where. It... <laughs> who, who are you taking? I, I, do you want me to go first? I'll, I'll tell go you. First. Go first. I'm taking the Washington Huskies. Absolutely. I don't pick against Chris Peterson. All right. I got UCLA. I, I don't even think we've ever verified if he's actually still. He the coach is there. <laughs> Four and zero UCLA at home. Give them to me. That's not a home game. You see the crowds. <laughs> it's showing yeah. up. They got Empty less than Rose Memphis. Bowl. All right, Kentucky at Ole Miss. <laughs> uh, Jim, this... Jim, where, where 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 are you going? You're going want... with your what with your uh, boy Will Levis? Yeah, and I'm going to tell you y'all going to do tell... something silly. Like, and I'm no, I'm going to tell you why because it's not even has nothing to do with Will Levis. I've told y'all that I like that Kentucky defense. Ole Miss offense does not impress me. Um, like I don't think Jackson Dart's that great, so uh, I, I want Kentucky. Okay, give me the Rebels easy. Ooh, you know this is one where I feel like if we're going to gain ground, Randy. We got to gain it on on something. I mean, why why not? Let's go Ole Miss, even though, like, rooting for Ole Miss is not fun. Do you know what one of uh, the hardest things during that Ole Miss game was last week? I meant to tell you. I may have texted y'all. Hearing Deuce McAllister scald Trey Washington, I was TV guest on TV was tough. I was like, oh, man. He got mad at him for playing the uh, – for celebrating the play instead of picking off the ball. I mean, was he was right? No, he was absolutely right. Alabama and Arkansas, like why is this? Why is this game I, even on? I, this this ain't even gonna be. It's cool. ranked. It's ranked teams. That's why. Give me Alabama by hundred and fifty. There's not even gonna be enough bulbs on the scoreboard for this. Yeah, give me Alabama. <laughs> I don't think it's gonna be that that bad, but give me Alabama. See, I hate that I'm protecting a lead because I really want to go the other way just because. Then, then do it. You should. No, I'm not do giving it. y'all. I'm not giving y'all a free point. Give me Alabama. What? What are you talking about? You're not giving us a free point. Alabama. You could. You could. You could also look at it as you're not Gain. gaining. Point. Yeah, it, you wouldn't be losing a point either. It would. It would yeah. be risky because I already went opposite y'all the first two games. If I go opposite y'all first three games and they go the wrong way, we are tied. I can't do it. Well, you know, Will man. Levis would never act like this. Yeah, he would not. He would so bite into a banana peel and all and fucking put take man. You know why? Arkansas. You know why I'm not picking Arkansas because in my notes that I have here, I accidentally put BS instead of versus, and it says Arkansas is BS. So I'm not doing it. Oh. 
Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oklahoma State, Baylor, Jim. Who are you taking? Mm. I'm a man. I'm a man. I'm 40. Oklahoma State. Oh, Oak State. Mm. Let me tell you something. I got to change. I <laughs> this this is one of those games every year where I pick Oklahoma State. And every year, guess what happens? They give the game away and they lose. And guess what I'm going to do this year? Pick them again. I'm picking them again. Give me give me Oklahoma State. Randy, are you going to go that way? No, if nope. Randy Randy's taking, if he picks Baylor right here, he could take a clean lead by himself. I'm taking a clean lead. Give me Baylor, baby. Let's go. Baylor. That's, that's not bad. All right. Wake Forest and Florida State. Randy, who who are you taking? Wake Forest look good. As much as I really do like Mike Norvell. Sam, Sam Hartman look good. Sam is an NFL quarterback. Give me Wake Forest. Taking Wake. Jim, who are you taking? Florida State. I love it. You know, this is – had you picked Wake Forest, Jim, I would have took Florida State. As much as I want Mike Norvell to win. Norvell, they're a big, we're, we're big either, favorite. We're, we're either going to have a tight race after this week or I'm going to absolutely be putting a bloodbath on y'all. I think a seven's I think Wake, a big line. Yeah, I think Wake Forest has something to prove. I do. Yeah. NC State, Clemson. Jim, who you got? Clemson. Oh, son. Randy, who are you taking? He's not doing it. Don't even lie to yourself. I, oh. I, I'll make it. I'll make it easy. I'll make it easy on you. I will take NC State. Yeah, give me Clemson. I don't bet against Dabo unless he's playing in SEC school. The next week could be very interesting because. We picked opposite most of them, and then the, then there's two that y'all got opposite. So, like, if y'all win those other ones, oh, man, it could be wild. Man, this is uh, this is going to be a wild week. This is going to be uh, redemption or, I don't know, something. But it's going it's, it's to be good. I think I'm going to go to Casino and do a parlay on these picks. Go ahead. Go ahead. See what happens. All right, guys, we got to talk NFL football. And, you know, as we are recording this live, the Cowboys are up. They are playing well, you know. I mean, I'm a little bit shocked. I don't know about you guys. You know, and I I said this. I don't know if I said it on air or if I did this in text, but what would Cooper Rush have to do to make it really hard for Dak Prescott come back and be a starter well he's doing it you said three games in a row is what you said on the air three games in a row well you got two because he's 20 and 30 for 210 uh and a touchdown i mean he's throwing the ball a lot better and and shout out tony pollard with 13 carries for 105 by the way yeah that that, it's on my bench yeah (laughs) tony pollard is is uh becoming a very important piece to that but they, Moore offense. But they did it together because Zeke has 73, so 178 between the two of them. You can't ask for more of a run game. 
you know, if you're Zeke, don't you want Tony Pollard to kind of stretch it out a little Hell bit? Yeah. And then you can power run and, and, and break, you know, those big runs up the middle. I feel like, you know, Zeke would thrive when Tony Pollard runs the ball well. We've talked about it over the years. Um, the best running games have been tandems. For instance, you know, just to use the Saints example, you both know, when was Alvin Kamara having his most success? When him and Mark Ingram were a one-two combo. Okay. I mean, it, it, there's, there's a, a lot to be said about having multiple backs and being different types of backs. I mean, obviously, you know, Pollard can run between the tackles, but you're going to have him stretch it out. I mean, they even tonight stretched it out with Zeke. They were doing, you know, tosses to the outside, getting him, you know, 10, 15 yards a pop. So those are things that I like to see. I'd like to see C.D. Lamb become, obviously he has a touchdown tonight, and I would like to see him become, you know, more of a staple receiver. He's, got He's supposed to be the guy. For, he's got eight catches. Yeah, but it's it's not. Six me, drops. Yeah, I mean that that's that's the problem. Um, you don't see Stefan Diggs, you don't see Jefferson, you don't see those guys who are the guy on the receiving court dropping passes like that, right? Just no. don't. Obviously, they got a minute fifty-one left in the game. They're up twenty-three sixteen, so it's fourth down now. It looks like they're gonna be uh given the ball back um hopefully they'll milk a little bit of the clock but it looks like the clock is going to well, well what i like about this situation is the giant success tonight has been with saquon um is not with daniel jones as a passer so like you like the idea that they have to go the length of the field throwing the ball as opposed to running the ball yeah and i i'll put my money on dallas defense absolutely so um they still got some time left but we'll, we'll come back to them as as that game finishes up but jim give me a saints recap obviously not not the best and i i don't know where you're at as far as you know about to jump off the ledge do we need to pull you back or are you just kind of giving up on it I mean, while first of all, you know, it, talking about the LSU start time, Randy, I didn't realize that we had the London game this week. So I'm I'm really pissed off that the Saints played at 8:30 a.m. this week. <laughs> but no, um, there's like offensively, and, and I'm gonna direct this towards you, Randy, because for so many years, you know, while we do give Drew Brees all his credit you always talked about it was Sean Payton's offense and that was the key to the success. And because you're seeing the saints are healthy offensively, they have their weapons this year. Um, we know that Jameis can be successful and that offense couldn't look more clueless in every way, shape and form. And I think we are seeing what happens when Sean Payton is not the coach. Uh, would I be wrong? No, I come hundred percent. I said it for years. I not it's not really to take away from Drew Brees. I just think that we saw the year that Sean Payton was suspended that that they're a different team without him. Sean Payton is an elite, elite offensive coach. And so, I mean, they don't. They're you know they were talking about how Alvin doesn't have any any catches you know out of the backfield. 
you know, you just – you see confusion with the receivers that – surprisingly, and Daniel knows this because he's on his bench, uh, Olive is like the only receiver that Winston knows how to accurately throw to. It's it, it's wild. Um, I didn't know Taysom was hurt. Somehow y'all knew that, and I didn't. Um, I would have turned to him the way that – because they just needed some sort of spark, and they did it in the first week against the Falcons. But um, the thing the thing I'll say, the, the, the silver lining is um, it doesn't look that way because – Carolina scored three times, but it was all basically because this, the the Saints offense gave them the ball in those situations. The defense is still, to me, like legit top three, top five at worst. Um, you really can't do nothing with them. Um, the problem is the offense is so bad, they're not giving you anything, and they're turning the ball over in their own territory. Um, so we'll see, uh, you know, but I'm not jumping the ledge just yet to answer your question, Daniel, but this is not – what I expected at all. And um, I'm going to partially blame you guys because y'all made me believe that Jameis Winston, you, I know y'all said could be, you didn't say he was, but you may believe, made me believe he could be something special and he ain't. What would you rather have? Would you rather have Jameis Winston when with a could be or a Matt Ryan where you're like, he should be, but he's not. What? <laughs> I want Cooper Rush. How about that? Interesting. I mean, <laughs> no, I mean, I just don't understand it. Like, uh, he shows flashes of you knowing how good he is. Like, I, I don't. You, you watched him for for so many years in Tampa. I mean, is it is it between the ears, Daniel? Yeah, I just I just think he sees something and. If he would just react to it when he sees it, he might be all right. But he reacts like a split second too late, and by that time, it's too late. Um, and he he does like there are some things about him. He's he's gonna take shots at you down the field, and a lot of times they're they're not warranted shots, and he's he's just not good enough for that. I mean, he's the reason. Believe it or not, this is this is pretty crazy, and I'll end with this. This is my last Saints note. Uh, it's uh, did, did either of y'all watch the game? I tried, of it. man, it was tough. He he is literally. You can ask my wife; she watches. He's literally the reason why Michael Thomas and Landry both left the game. Do you know they both got hurt trying to bend back the opposite direction because the ball was thrown behind them. It's a damn anomaly. Both of them got hurt trying to catch balls that were poorly thrown. And then Randy's boy Callaway, his touchdown catch was actually saving from an interception that Jameis was throwing, and he reached back and one armed that hoe back in. So like, yeah, it was. luckily he luckily he didn't get hurt and instead made like a highlight reel. Yeah. Well, they they got a long way to go. Um, I think. At what point did they decide to bring Old Red into the game or? man they were i don't know there were people calling for it this week but like i saw what he did when he came in in dallas i don't i don't think he gives you anything better so i mean i feel like at this point you just almost got to rival winston winston if Taysom's there um i don't think you just go to taste him outright i think you just 
if he's struggling, you do things to mix it up and try to get the momentum. They did it in week one with Atlanta. I mean, Winston was was terrible for the first three quarters, and Taysom gave him a spark, and then it's almost like he helped get Winston going. So, I mean, if anything, he's just good for a change of pace. I wouldn't make him the outright starter. Well, Randy, big big win for your Colts, 2017 over the Chiefs, man. What What did they do differently or – did they do anything different? Um, not really. I mean, that what happened was they they own the Kansas City Chiefs, Daniel. Did you know that Patrick Mahomes is something like 39 and two? Has when he has a, a lead going into the what I think this into the second half. And uh, let me tell you what happened. Both of these losses are to the Indianapolis Colts. What happened was the Chiefs fumbled the bag, they missed an extra point in the first half. And then late in the game, they missed a 34-yard field goal because their starting kicker, Harrison Butker, out of the game. Uh, Amendola, I don't know if they're related. Uh, I think it's Matt Amendola. He missed a 34-yarder, missed an extra point. It gave Matt Ryan and the Colts a chance. And you just can't give a veteran, wily old quarterback like Matt Ryan that many chances. And it was a masterful drive. I mean, they took up all the time on the clock, uh, ends it with a 12-yard touchdown. Uh, to the rookie Jelani and with like 24 seconds on the clock. And, you know, then they're only up three and you're thinking like, man, I've seen Mahomes go further and there's a lot shorter time. So this is making me nervous. And then they get a pick. Uh, the Chiefs played bad. The Colts played bad. Uh, they can't protect Matt Ryan. He He's fumbled the ball, what, seven times? I mean, it's been awful. They got to find a way to protect him. They're missing so many weapons. And then they had two more guys go out in their secondary in the Chiefs game. Um, Stephen Gilmore and uh, Julian Blackman. Uh, so I was just happy to get away with the win. In an NFL where there's so much parity, and you saw that on full display, when you don't play well and you don't execute well, you end up letting a bad oh, – well, not a bad team, a lesser team beat you. They still weren't able to get JT going. Um, so they still got some things to figure out. But to get a win and to keep pace with the Jacksonville Jaguars, this is a win you had to have. I like I like y'all sitting at 1-1-1. One, one, and one. That's right. We're still ahead of the Titans. Sorry, asses. <laughs> so is this the the spark? Beating a team like the Chiefs, I mean, is this the spark that gets them going? Oh, we're this... about to talk about the spark. So is, is this – are they, are they turn, turning you know around? Because you know who they got on deck. That's why. This is the first of many, Daniel. Yes. What? What? what <laughs> go ahead and say it, Randy. We're not doing picks yet, but just say it. What is it? Death taxes of what? Beating the fucking Titans. Two and zero again this year, baby. Let's go. And the the, the Titans, the Las Vegas Raiders coming to town, sucker. I was gonna say, and they think they're hot shit coming off that win. Raiders zero and three is something I could have never seen. Devontae wrote a pen letter. He wrote it in handwritten letter to Aaron Rodgers and said, "I'm sorry." (laughs) (laughs) Shout out, Daniel. Them Cowboys got that dub. Yeah, they uh, digs with a with a pick. he came up big, and then they kind of knelt on him and, and, and did that. So, obviously, Cooper Rush leading, leading the team fourth quarter drives to win games. I guess that's his MO. That's what he does. But I'll, either way, whether we win big or we win ugly, wins or wins right now, we'll take it. Um, obviously, I think the defense is really what's what's – giving the offense a chance to win games. So as as he just walked off the field, guys, I gotta say, hey, how shout out to Saquon Barkley. We gave him three weeks. He's gonna make it to week four, guys. Wow. 
All right. Speaking of week four, it's time to make some picks. I'm tabulating right now what we got. But recapping this week of NFL action. None of us got the damn – or did you pick the Dolphins? You didn't pick the Dolphins, did you? Did I pick the Dolphins? You know it. Damn, you You did. know it. You did. Golly. Who does that? Um, I do. So, looking back at that game. So, Dolphins, Ravens. Um, You guys both picked Ravens. I picked Dolphins. Got them. Bills. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, sorry, sorry, sorry. Uh, You guys picked Bills. I picked Dolphins. Just kidding. I didn't pick Dolphins. I picked Bills. I thought I was... Looking at the wrong. The, uh, I was gonna say, I thought looking you at got the wrong. No, I had. So what I did was, is I I'm keeping a running list of the games, and I had Bills and Dolphins. It was right under Ravens and Dolphins from last from last week. So I was looking at the wrong the wrong column. Randy, what was better, the game itself or the offensive coordinator acting a fool? I loved it. I would <laughs> do the same thing. Snap the damn ball. Snap the ball. None of us got points. We all picked the Bills. Bills did not win. Um, you know, there was a lot to be said about the Heat and the Bills having to play in the Heat and Josh Allen making a, a terrible throw there at the end. Did they, did they just get flat out beat by a better team? I don't know that they're a better team, but I think that they're a really, really good team, and I think that division is going to be a tight race all the way through. But I don't think the Bills are – I don't think the Dolphins are better. No. Long run, right. I'd still take the Bills. Well, what it did but what it did is solidify to Randy's point that the, the Dolphins are for real, and they're going to be a team that it's going to be a force to be reckoned with. I think the Bills are still the better team, but the Dolphins solidified they are who they are. Yep. Well, none of us got a point for that game. Uh, Rams and Cardinals. Jim, you did not get a point. You picked the Cardinals. Randy and I picked the Rams. Ravens and Patriots. We all took the Ravens. We all get points. Packers and Bucks. Jim, you're the only one that got points. You got the Packers. There's no way I was taking Aaron Rodgers. No way. Uh, but you get a point. Randy and I don't. 49ers and Broncos. Jim, another one. You picked the Broncos. I have no idea why. But we should, we did. should, but we should all lose. Those, yeah, both of those teams I, should I, lose. I lost both my other two fantasy leagues because Russell Wilson still can't throw a touchdown. So yeah. it's what it is. Can't, can't do it. And then Giants and Cowboys. Jim, you and I got points for the Cowboys. I got to add them up. Boom. Damn. I think I only got one right. No, you, you, uh, you, you got two right. I got three. Jim got four. That leaves him, Jim, in first with 29 total. Randy, you're in second with 26, and I am in third with 23. So I got some work to do. Gentlemen. You got some work to do on both sides, man. I, I mean, know. That's, that you that know, leaves this, even bigger. Yeah, it's 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 not good. It's it's not. Well, so, what what you what'd you say the score was? It is. Jim 29, Randy 26, and me 23. I'm winning both of them. It's his Jordan year. Damn. Yeah. Sorry, I got thrown off. I got a text. Casey just lost fantasy by 0.18. Well, I know I'm where I'm about to pick up a point, DB. 
Well, let's uh, let's get to it. I'm wanting to know where you are picking up a point, sir. First game, Vikings at the Saints. Purple Saints. people eaters, baby. Let's go. So Randy's going Vikings. Jim, are, are you going with your boys? No, I'm going Vikings. I'm hedging my bet. Well, what, this guy? Vikings. I'm going Vikings. I did the same thing with LSU Mississippi State. Don't act like I ain't done this before. Next All game. Right, I'll pick it up on this one then. Dolphins, Bengals. Who are you taking, Randy? Give me the Dolphins. Ooh, the Dolphins. Jim? Joey B. You know, I, I'm i really I'm really at a loss for these uh, these Bengals. You know, I, I have a, not a, very good. A, a vested interest in them. Are they not very good? That offensive line is god awful. And they're like, the, but that's the thing. The offensive line has never been good. It somehow worse. got worse. That's that's the point. They made an emphasis and went and picked up guys and got worse. It doesn't even make sense. Yeah. You know, I I think that the Dolphins are on a high. I think the Bengals are going to beat them. I think they are. So. I think it's going to be a big, big game for Burrow and Chase this week. It's going gonna, it's gonna to make me feel good about my draft picks this year. Bills and Ravens. I think the Bills are going to bounce back. I think I think it's 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 one off last week. I think they're ready. They're going to be locked in. They're going to head into Baltimore and take care of business. Randy, who are you taking? Ravens, Lamar, MVP. Ravens, MVP. Okay, warranted. Jim, who are you taking? Hmm. Go ahead and take them Ravens. Go ahead and take them birds. Go ahead. Take them. Take the birds. You know what? Just because you did the noise, I'm going to take the bills. Oh, man. I was hoping you wouldn't. I don't even have to ask, Randy. Colts. No, of course. Colts. Or Jim, who are you taking? Titans. Colts. Ugh. Colts. I mean, I'll take the Colts. I mean, I'm not gonna death, don't feel great about it. Death taxes and and you beating know the, beating the Titans. I I got I, I feel pretty great about that. <laughs> uh Chiefs at the Bucks. This is a game. You hey, DB, you gotta pick this one first. I and I will, and I will be at the game pending the hurricane situation as allows us to 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 partake in this so give me the bucks the bucks give me patty mahomes big bounce back blowout win Man, bucks tom, are not very good tom brady can't even throw those down shit he broke his knee brace because then that dude can't slide i know he cannot it just you could see it coming, like he was gonna slide, and then he didn't, and then he was gonna slide again, and then he did, and you could just see the awkwardness. Randy, I got a question. Randy, I got a question for you. I watched the interview clip with uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Fitz Magic today, and he talked about how you know he got tired of getting beat by Tom Brady all the time, and then he talked about the first time he did, and then he talked about the couple other times he did, 
And Tom Brady never shook his hand after any time he ever beat him. He said he just walked off the field. How do you feel about that? You know, I'm a big Fitz Magic guy, but, you know, stop crying, man. Stop crying, Fitz Magic. He, sh- he shook his hand when he lost. Stop crying, Fitzy. You got the gold chain on. You're rooting yeah, for the Bills in the playoffs last year. I don't need him to shake my hand. I don't even want to shake your hand after a loss. You do, you're doing just fine, old Fitzy. Fitzy, baby. You're doing, you're doing all right. And everybody knows Tom Brady's a sore loser. Peyton Manning walked off the field, didn't shake anybody's hand after they lost in the playoffs when he was with the Colts. So I, I don't care about that stuff. I don't want to shake shit after I lose. Call it sore loser. Call it a, being a competitor. Call it what you want. But ain't nobody obligated to shake anybody's hand. Take the handshake line out of sports. Yeah, do it. Bump them kids. Bump that sportsmanship. Who cares? Jim, did you did you say you wanted the Chiefs over the Bucks? Yeah. I'll never pick the Bucks again. <laughs> are you are you sure? I'm still trying to get somebody to take Leonard Fournette off my hands. I'll I'll take him. All right, send me Jamar I'll, Chase. <laughs> That's just Deal. silly. That's just silly. All right, 49ers, Rams, Jim, who you taking? Oh, I really like that 49ers defense in the 49ers. For real? Yes, sir. Rams, baby. Yeah, give me Rams. I don't know about you sometimes, Jim. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm, 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 I'm running away with both. You're, you're only okay. First of all, you're only up by three. Okay. I'm up six on Daniel, to be clear. You're you're only up three on me, cuz. And we got two opposites. I, I'm feeling a tie. You know, I I wanted to give you guys a lead. I knew we had more games this year in the NFL season, so I just just giving you guys an opportunity. But don't don't hate on me when I when I make this comeback now. All right, guys. That's it. That's our games. That's our recap. That's the headlines. Jim, I'll start with you. Did we miss anything? Yeah, my last call is going to have to do with the NFL just because we didn't have that game. Um, you know, it's still early. It's only three games. It's uh, it's the second season, right? Or maybe third season set out. Whatever. Anyway, um, I didn't think uh, Jalen Hurts could be a good quarterback in the NFL. Um, so I just want to say that as of right now, I look very wrong. And the, I mean, look, and the Eagles look very good. Yeah, and they're going to get Jacksonville next week. I don't know. Randy, oh. the believer in the Jags. Oh. Don't sleep on we them. Should, maybe we should. Man, I put the oh, wrong I, game in there. I put the wrong I, game in there. I hope they win. I, I hope the Jags. Randy, you want a seventh game? Them. You want a seventh game? Are you taking the Jags? No, no, no. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely not. He's, he's going to pass on that. Randy, last call. Anything? Last call is for you and all of our friends and family down in Florida, my brother, Hurricane uh, Ian, uh, coming inbound very soon. It's making some waves out there in the ocean. So batting down the hatches, my friend, stay safe. Yeah, if man. If you need I, a place to stay, got extra rooms for you and your family. Man, I, w- I wish that was uh, uh, something I could do. But, you know, with, with the job, this is what we like to call game time. Yeah, how many – I want to ask you that. How many guys you got, like, on call right now, like, just waiting, waiting to well, get Well, right now it's kind of tough because they've forced mandatory evacuations in a lot of the areas that my guys live in. So, 
it won't be until this thing passes where we can actually get out there. But once I have a conference call tomorrow, once I'll have a, probably a better idea how many teams and how many guys we'll have out here probably for. But you're not in a mandatory Friday. evacuation, right? I am what's called evacuation zone B. It's a voluntary right now. Um, I don't think we would ever get to the point uh, where we would be forced to evacuate. Um, so we're going to ride this thing I, I out, I told you, baby. I've, I've messaged and called my dude over the years. That man don't never leave. This one's different, though, man. This, this one's one. different. I this don't know. That one, that one, the one year was huge, and he didn't give a damn. He was like, this I'm going to go to the basement at the, uh, the high school. This is worse. The The problem with that or the, the problem with the last one, Jim, is that it was coming well, there was two. One was coming right for Tampa and then took a hard right. And then we kind of got some some bands, which we got the opposite side bands, which are the better of the bands. Um, and then the one before that went straight up the bottom of the state all the way through. Like there was nowhere to go. Like you just had to ride that out. But this one is moving hard. It's intensifying and it's moving up the coast and we're getting those eastward bands and that's where some of the shitty weather is so hey we're gonna ride this thing out i got got my my wife i got my daughter I have my father-in-law it'll be good we'll have a good time um you know if the power goes out then you know we'll just talk to each other that should be fun right <laughs> what's a, what's a harder what's a harder thing to tough out um a hurricane or Jameis winston as your quarterback well he's lived that already yeah <laughs> that's why you know, I asked. i'll let you know on friday when this thing rolls through here and uh, I'll, I'll give you a better in indicator um but yeah this will be the be the worst one that we've been through since we lived here so we'll we'll see how this goes i think we'll be all right though but you know, hey, enough of me. It's a good episode, guys. Appreciate y'all. I want to thank our guest, Shannon Cook, man. She was awesome. You know, being from across the pond, you never know what you're going to get. But, you know, we had a, quite a good time, quite a character. We wish her nothing but the best. If you like Shannon's story or you just like hearing us average shows, talk X's and O's, please like and share the podcast on Facebook. Retweet us on Twitter. Listen and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor. As always, comments, ratings, and feedback is always welcome. We will see everyone next time. Hopefully, I will be in attendance and, you know, power is not gone and there's no storm as of yet. And I'll be able to talk Tennessee baseball with you, Randy, with you, Jim, my boys. But also, more importantly, we'll get the, the scoop, the story from the man himself, Camden Sewell. This has been the In Off the Bench podcast. As always, remember, strong body, sharp minds, grit and grind all the time. We out.